everyone. Welcome to the Steve Maxwell Drums Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on our website at www.maxwelldrums.com and then our reverb stores at Steve Maxwell Drums-Chicago and Steve Maxwell Drums-New York. We also have social media, uh, two Instagram accounts, at Maxwell Drum Shop Chicagoland and then at Maxwell Drum Shop. And then also on Facebook, Steve Maxwell and Steve Maxwell Drum Shop. And then, of course, check us out on Twitter at Maxwell Drum Shop. We will interview players, collectors, drum and cymbal builders, and also teachers about all things percussion. And you can go to YouTube if you want to see the video. We'll have pictures of drum shops, drum sets, badges, cymbals, all kinds of fun stuff. So let's get started. We hope you enjoy it. Three, two, one. So today we have Charlie Dresser, old friend of mine. Mm-hmm, happy to indeed. happy to have you here, man. Yeah, definitely happy to be here. <laughs> Um, it's uh, it's a beautiful day out today. Still yeah. uh, still warm, you know. We're we're uh, we're out there getting sun, which is really nice. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, everything's kind of getting back to normal. Usually, I do like a chronological thing. Yeah, let's just sure. talk about you. So like, um, we met at uh, at the academy, but we're both from Wheaton, which is yes. uh, the you know. Uh, city west of Chicago. Yeah, really nice little town. Yeah, um, and uh, you, I guess you would have gone to Wheaton North, or maybe you did yeah. for a little while. I, I did not, but I would have. Yeah, yeah and, and I still, you know, had circles of friends there. And right. Stuff. Yeah. And you were like, yeah, we, th- you were in like bands that. But we'll get into all yeah. of that. But let, yeah. let's start with you. Um, so, uh, so yeah, like, like talk about early, early music days. Like, what got you into music? You know, I, you're, you, you have a musical family, which is yeah. cool. So yeah, yeah. Right. Tell, tell us a little about yourself, man. Um, so my, yeah, my parents are musical uh, in different ways. My dad's family, my dad's side is they're you know just a long line of natural musicians. Whether you know, n- of not so much notoriety or anything, but just great musicians around the family. My mom's side, uh, particularly her dad, my grandfather was a drummer and was very in, he was actually the president of the Chicago Jazz Institute and ran the jazz festival. Nice. And was, I liked, I, I like to say uh, best friends with Count Basie cause you can kind of prove it. Uh, I guess Count Basie was invited to dinner at the White House with Ronald Reagan when he was president and he could invite two people and he invited his wife at the time and my grandpa. So oh, I think wow. that's, that constitutes best friend proof, I would say. Very cool. But yeah, but then, so he died when I was five. So kind of didn't, you know, I mean, I, I always heard and you know remnants of drum stuff remember him like sitting you on the on the drum stool <laughs> uh very very little you know sure. yeah but but the the kind of the memory and and all the stories and everything Did he lived live around on. around here was your family he lived in, in chicago oh he was in the city yeah, yeah, yeah. he was in the city I, I wonder they're in the fine arts building now i wonder if they were in the fine arts building all the way back then the jazz institute oh right um i don't know we but, started there so we started like a yeah like a floor well, away from them we used to always kind of you know uh work together on you know if they sure. needed any drum information they right. come to us that's right yeah and the guy who uh, used to work at the shop ben gray he uh he worked there as well so okay we definitely have connections with those guys well my grandpa's funeral was at the the old jazz showcase the blackstone hotel oh yeah i went there so once. i mean he <laughs> was really tight with joe and wayne you know so yeah cool man yeah definitely <laughs> i know but but it what, was weird what was his name Ed Crilly. Ed Crilly. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I would imagine uh, it's very likely some people listening 
know know that name. I bet, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And even like, yeah, run-ins throughout my you know younger life and getting into jazz and stuff. Like Joel Spencer, sure. he's like, you know, I oh, I don't know if you knew my grandpa, and he was like, yeah, he got me the gig with Count Basie, you know. And I was like, nice. oh, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so totally, the memory was always palpable, and you know, definitely, yeah. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. And, and so uh, your parents, do, do they both play instruments? My mom plays piano. Yeah, she's she still nice. takes <laughs> lessons weekly, actually. She's a, she's a great piano player. My dad is a saxophone player, and, and he still plays, yeah, here awesome. and there with friends. Jamming. I got to see them uh, uh, just recently when you That's did right. the jam session. It was great fun. Yeah, they, they came, came by. Out. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Yep. And so, so, like, when did you really start playing? What age were you? Um, I started drumming when I was eight. Um okay. Because I saw a movie like The Beatles, The Hard Day's Night. My mom, my mom had me and my brother watch or whatever. So, so yeah, yeah, got like a drum set for my birthday and drummed. You know, started taking lessons right away. My, you know, parents were really supportive. Um, and then, you know, was got pretty into it um, for for being that young. What kind of kid was your first kid? It was like, yeah, uh, I think we still have like the snare drum from it, but it was nice. like one of these $99 Toys R Us kits. Okay, yeah. cool. So that was the very first one. And then soon soon thereafter upgraded to a Pearl Export. <laughs> Solid upgrade. I, yeah, my dad at one point had a Pearl Export. Ah. I, I've mentioned that once before on the podcast. There was actually a time that uh, he owned one kit, and that was the only kit he owned. Yeah. <laughs> like when he was working... In you know his day job and focusing on the family and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I remember. Uh, well, I mean, black black pearl export. I think yep, they were that's probably, what I had. Weren't they like only available in black at one point? I think? Yeah, black and then like maho- wine red or mahogany red or something. Sure. I don't know. I used to read drum catalogs. So much. yeah, good yeah. solid, good solid drums. They, yeah, right. Well, they, the ones nowadays are like. Yeah. They're great. They're fine. You know, yeah, you can get really good stuff for for very very affordable. Yeah. Uh, you know. Why are you doing what you're doing? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, sometimes it's like so some people would look at like the drums and be just like, Oh, Why I know. Would you pay there's, so much, but there are there are. Oh, there's that... very and and yeah. I only say that in jest. I think there's sure. still such a huge difference. But it's cool to see how you know a right. cheap drum set can can do the job and be cool but it's the same no, like different, yeah the, different things you look at like uh you know what's the difference between like a honda and a ferrari you know like, yeah right they right. both like have the same basic function yeah <laughs> right exactly like one of them uh just the, all those little little things you mm-hmm. know definitely <laughs> single definitely. ply yeah and then you know just made made in america that's a huge yeah. thing yeah so few things are made in this country anymore and mm-hmm. And you gotta, you gotta love that. But anyways, yeah, yeah like, um, so, 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 you, okay, I'd say then, about so, eight, eight, yeah, that, that's about the same uh, yeah. age that I started. Although yeah, I started but, piano first at about yeah. age. I was still into sports a lot and stuff. I remember though, it was like I was twelve or like turning thirteen or something, right. or twelve. That and my brother was like three years older than me, and he was really into tenor sax. He ended up wow. going to DePaul for jazz studies, and um, so I he I was. Never met your brother. I don't know if you have. Yeah, he works. Uh, I'm, actually, you know, I probably did the YJED thing. I probably at one yeah, point made, right, made sure, it yeah, there. yeah. But um, so I, you know, I followed in his footsteps and was really into the jazz band and whatever the in the middle school and everything. And then it was Tyler Beach at YJED. Tyler Beach was in the original oh, cool. YJED that hey, my hey, brother let's, was let's, in. Let's talk about what YJED okay. is, because I believe, didn't your parents start that? Yeah, basically, my mom, yeah. 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 So, right, so like my brother was like in eighth grade, and they were looking ahead to Wheaton North, and he was really into tenor sax, really into jazz, and the band director at Monroe Middle School, Robert Blazek, 
was phenomenal and they won <laughs> state all the time and all this awesome stuff it was great for a middle school you know it was incredible sure and uh but so my mom was like oh no he's really into it but the wheaton north jazz band at the time like was really not very good sure. so she was like she got together with the middle school director and was like you want to do like an all county high school group because you know wheaton north sucks and sam wants something better <laughs> so sure. it's like this really like mom like that's awesome, stepping man. in oh, right well now it's still happening and i've had yeah, people yeah. come through the studio young musicians in high school and stuff and they're like oh yeah i'm in yj and i'm like where, really where do they rehearse now when, when i because i was in it i'm for not one sure year. i remember it was such a challenge for me because like uh I, I i'll say this uh reading um drum parts is very different than reading any other part because you're you're not yeah. playing note for note you're and you're doing as a drummer you really got to do like three things in a big band You've got to kind of watch like the conductor. You've got to watch the music, and then I, I like to kind of have an eye on the audience too. Yeah. And then sometimes even a fourth thing, if there's like a soloist, right? And, and you're trying to like juggle all of these yeah. things. Well, and there's a lot of uh, <laughs> options. I mean, you're left to. I guess you're right. Like, uh, well, rhythm section has some freedom, but I mean, those horn players are, you know, they're doing their their written thing, right? Except for when they're soloing. But there's a lot of in terms of setups and stuff. It's, there's a yeah. lot of options for drummers, and you got to give you pace your ideas. Yeah, yeah. totally. And it's it's just for me, it was like I, I had like tons of experience playing in like combos and playing all different kinds of music. But when it came to like those rhythms, it's a real skill. You have to figure out like okay, so the the hit is on the end of two, right. so you got to set that up. You start, right. you know, and, and, right. and yeah, that's that's something that. Uh, um, well, that was hugely. I mean, that was that was hugely monumental, though. Yeah, <laughs> but like. Um, I like, uh, you know, John Riley and the Art of Bop Drumming sure, books, yeah, yeah. which Jason Pateri used to work out of and talk <laughs> about. But, like, that was, I always heard the story that um, he used to do the Village Vanguard uh, big bands, you know, the weekly I gig got to or whatever. There once. Really? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he tiny was. Tiny little place, huge yeah, band. Yeah. <laughs> right. And he was the long standing drummer. And, um, the, they would always say like, oh, John Riley, they, they know like, they have like, you know, a however many song catalog, like 150 song catalog, and he doesn't use any sheet music. Uh -huh. He memorized all of it. And it was this <laughs> whole thing, uh, or this is what I heard. But then it turned out he was like looking at the trumpet music. Oh, looking sure. over yeah, the shoulder because yeah. the stage was so small <laughs> and that's basically all he needed right, as a right. big band drummer was where where are their hits yeah you know and then that it's interesting because yeah a lot of the best big band drummers didn't even really read music at all and right. they like they would just kind of memorize the tunes and, and it, some drummers they get like too into the music and then they're right. not you know I'm, I'm sure you've seen it before they're not really like feeling the band and it's maybe not swinging quite as much because yeah and that, that's what i'm talking about it's that right. balance of things it's really difficult yeah. to do it have you have you ever like sat in with a big band before um just you know like yeah never play with them before just play a tune yes I, i've done that a couple of times yeah that is like the biggest challenge yeah yeah uh, absolutely coda you know like the the, the feel changes and dude you, okay sometimes you get lost in the music you you're jarring it, my you know? memory <laughs> this this was a highlight gig when i lived in california i played on the long beach pride parade okay. which is a like one of the big ones long beach california pride sure. parade uh on a float with like the lgbtq uh, community really big band yeah <laughs> sure. it was it was fun but i had I, it was uh i didn't know them i just stepped in I for that gig outdoor gigs man yeah i know <laughs> but you're but it was exactly that it was like here's the charts and we're gonna start 
Right. Roll in the car in a minute and we'll start. Right, right, right. Oh my God, okay. Can we just uh, get a look at these for a second? Yeah, yeah. right, definitely. Because usually, yeah, I'll put like markers in and kind of, you know, at least look at the chart when you've never seen it before. I sat in with the band once and they, they gave me the chart to look at for like a minute. Yeah. And then I sit down and like, oh no, we're not doing that. We're doing another one. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. yeah, but that's, that's you know, that's the fun of it. Definitely. But, but anyway, so your your parents, how old were you when, when they started YJet? <clears throat> I would have been... I don't know, like sixth, maybe fifth, sixth grade. Okay, cool. Fifth, sixth grade, yeah. And then, you know, it continued on for those following years. And then, so I met, yeah, so I used to go to those rehearsals just because I was, you know, it sounded sure. good and it was awesome. And I was And younger. where were they rehearsing at that point? Was it at, at that the... point, it was at the middle school oh, okay, at the, cool. that the band director, uh, Robert Blazek, was, was at. So sure. I think I must, yeah, if I was going to that middle school, I'd just stick around after school. But I liked hearing them rehearse and, and do homework and stuff. And uh, that's where I met Tyler Beach, who, so great, he was a guitarist. Guitar player, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Very um, talented guy, very talented. Right, and so, um, and then heard about the Academy, and then went and shadowed. So, and yeah, I must have been, that was seventh grade, because I was, I became obsessed with skipping eighth grade <laughs> and going to the Academy. <laughs> and Did you get to skip I came grade? really close, honestly, <laughs> to the point where, you know, I tried, I talked to teachers and stuff, and then, but yeah, I don't know, I had to take the constitution and test. So who was your first <laughs> drum teacher? My first drum teacher was this guy, Jordan Hill. Okay. Who, uh, you should seriously look him up, Jordan Hill. Now he lives in, I think, Southern California, and he does this. He's like a mechanic, but he put together like a car part drum set. And it's cool. incredible. Look it up, Jordan Hill. I don't know if he has goes by like something. Something on YouTube? He's, he's yes. got some videos? Yes. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Jamie, could, could you pull that up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I um, wish we had. To, someday we'll be able to afford. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Noah could do it, man. Get Noah. Yeah. <laughs> Get Noah. Queuing it up. But what I can do um, uh, when I put it on YouTube, maybe I'll put a link to the. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that could pop up. That's cool. And that way people can. Uh, here, I'll point it to out. it. Point it. Put it right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, so that was only like I don't know a few months, and then um, Tom Tedrin. Uh, who taught lessons out of uh, like a practice room at Glenbard South, I think, okay. on Butterfield. Cool. <laughs> Prolific teacher, though. I mean, he has taught so many people. So awesome. Yeah. Nice. So he was great. And then uh, there was a few others. I know you studied with Paul Wertigo at, at yeah. one point. That was, yes. So then, that well, was there, the first I kind of heard about him. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I knew about him. But. That started in like seventh grade. So it was like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Maybe nice. maybe sophomore year of high school, I you know, uh, stopped after that. Yeah, when you when you came, I guess I'm like what a year two years older than you. When you came to the mm -hmm. academy, you were definitely burning. <laughs> sure. Oh yeah, man, that was that was you, fun. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, Lee, you encouraged me to practice because you, Ooh, you had yeah. all these like comping things down. And before you came to the school, I mean, there were really good drummers, but no one quite had the um, the feel for for the music and and the kind of a light touch too. That there's there's certain things like that that. So very few drummers these days have, and it's sure. very jazz centric. Like uh, you know, you, you can you can play a drum set very quietly. You can sure. play it very loud, and yeah, yeah, having dynamic playing, and yeah, like yeah, that came from tasteful comping. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, and that came from just playing like with my brother, you know, and and in sure. jazz, and and like the first performance I remember having was we got like a gig playing on Sunday mornings at a bagel shop in Westmont. Oh, cool, man. Literally, yeah, crazy. But that, and they would always tell us, too loud, it's too loud. Bagels and jazz. Yeah, <laughs> totally, man. It's so, too loud, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so I had to keep it man. down. But right. I will say that the distinct difference of when I got to the academy and started studying 
with uh, Jason Patera, uh, yeah. Doctor Patera. Our friend, there's a um, there's a podcast I did with him. That's that was like the third one I ever did. Yeah, I think he's I watched a, a good amount a great of it. Guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah, but I think the, like the distinct difference was like I was getting into jazz and the idea of jazz drumming, but I was still like there wasn't coordination. You know, so like I would all my comping would work around my ride cymbal pattern. Yeah. So then when I got to the academy, it was like, no, do this, you know, yeah. constantly the the ride cymbal pattern, you know, and never don't do that. Right. And right. then be able to do everything else over it. What, what and then the you things? can make decisions after that, you know, but at least you develop the coordination to not right. have to. You have the freedom to choose. You know, One of the things those. you used to do, I remember, you would have the hi hat off beat. So a lot of the times, you know, you end up just two or four all the time. Right. And then, yeah, like the much more modern style. And you were one of the first guys that I saw doing that. It's like, like throwing it in weird yeah, spots. Yeah. yeah you <laughs> use it. Cause it, and that's, that's a, it's almost like a dangerous thing to do as a drummer. Sure. And it's yeah. funny, like I find, I mean, I, all that coordination stuff a, after going to the Academy and like Jason always had us working on the stuff, mm. but not too many people really, you know, they, they would do it, but they didn't really get past like maybe the first, I don't know, 10 pages. Sure. But then, um, <laughs> yeah, you came in and you were like probably already to almost the second book. Well, I when thought you started it, doing the, the triplets and the. Sure. <laughs> I thought it was so intriguing. And the way that uh, Jason would take it, you know, the, the, the system he had for going through that material was so yeah. captivating to me. And it, it played very, to like my yeah. OCD mind where I was just like, ooh, but then you could do this and then you could do, do you, this. Do you remember, <laughs> um, there, there's like the rhythms, right? There's like da, 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 da. That's da, example da, one out of syncopation, yep. yeah. And right. then you, you do that and you do the hi-hat, but you. Yeah. You, While do, filling in triplets. Right, exactly. Yeah. That, oh, that's right. one exercise yeah. I remember you working on uh, uh, at some point. Sure. <laughs> yeah. School. Yeah, it, that's it was awesome. A, it was a really great school. We, we would have half the day would be education uh, yeah. in like normal, you know, history and uh, math. And yeah, we keep on at the academy though. This is the Chicago Academy for the Arts, right? right? Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> for anyway. those who don't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, th then the second half of the day we did all music and yeah, it was just so cool. You yeah. have. Uh, you know, uh, each each room uh, would just be you know musical notes coming out. And, right. And, yeah. Well, yeah. No, it was like <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays were like sight singing, yeah. rhythmic dictation, and then <laughs> practice time. Right. And then like Wednesdays and Fridays or something were like the other stuff. You know, piano lab and jazz ensemble I was and practice to the, time. Being able to play drums. <laughs> that was yeah. That was my, I know. Right. The drum drum set playing days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. That and, was yeah. yeah. That was great. Never enough bass players. That's another, yeah. another thing. So and then so, I felt like that was somewhat of this college experience. And sure. educationally, I mean, it kind of like that's what what Jason took us through was basically what we probably would have seen at at a lot of the you know the college like, jazz yeah, programs. First, you do at least your first year to people who do all their high school experience. You can really get your first two years of college. Sure. Out of, and it know, was technically a college prep. I don't know what that means, but it seemed, right. it made sense. I remember. So, yeah. The so only, then I didn't go to college because I was like, yeah. I the can. only <laughs> reason I didn't pass into past theory uh, two, I passed out of theory one, was because I didn't know figured bass quite good enough. And figured Roosevelt bass. has a really, the Chicago College of Performing Arts at Roosevelt, yeah. they have a really tough theory program and they weren't messing around. And figured sure. bass is kind of kind of complicated. It's yeah. not easy to learn. And that, that was the one thing I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't excel at. Sure. I was so frustrated. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> I had to yeah. sit, sit through a class where like I knew everything uh, except that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And it's interesting stuff. We, th there was a lot of the sort of traditional 
cadence-based, you know, uh, I don't know, traditional songwriting uh, exposure that we learned, you know, yeah. there. I didn't, I didn't do the college stuff, but I've, you know, throughout the years, you, you see, you did three years at the academy. I, I did two. Oh, two. And so I should have done more. Did you? So you just did like freshman and sophomore. Yeah. And I guess I'm two years older because I think my right. You were a year, junior when I got there. I think. Yeah. 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 They might. And then, and then, yeah, it was. Um, so who are some other players that you that you played with at the academy? Maybe Dylan, oh, Mackenzie, Dylan. and yeah, Ryan yeah, yeah. Whitney. Nice. That, and they became. You know, we we went through many uh, formations of of bands and I stuff. I think Dylan's in California, years. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's yeah, and he's playing in a band called Dirt Dirty Verde, Dirty Verde. Cool. They're awesome. Yeah, they're great. Um, I, I never was really that close with Dylan, but I knew him. You know, like yeah. We, <laughs> He's uh, he's the man, you know. Yeah, yeah he's great. <laughs> so so you moved. To, I think you moved to California, like like right after that. How, how did that whole Not, thing go down? So I I was gigging. I moved to the city, and you know, or okay. so I finished up high school like homeschooling style, like a remote program, which is awesome. It's fine, and uh, <laughs> sure. and I was like playing in bands, you know, sixteen, seventeen, or whatever. And then as soon as I was eighteen, I moved to the city. And this is when we lost touch. I mean, yeah, like I yeah, the, I I was at Roosevelt, and I was in the city. I guess right. you were in the city too, but right, we never really I was, ran into yeah. each other. <laughs> no, totally. But yeah, and uh, and then I started to just gig as much as possible, and you know, more more rock, more pop, and I wanted to, I you know realized my uh fascination with studio work and stuff so i really started to you know try all those things um but yeah i don't know so but that you know i was i was doing that till like 2010 2009 or 2010 okay then moved to california to, to la and you were in la for a yeah, while yeah yeah and i did a lot of great you know i was i was doing great stuff in chicago but i did kind of feel like um, I don't know. I just felt like, okay, if this is, I was exploring the idea of like performing as a focus, you know, because that's kind of all you see when you, when you grow up in that like jazz world in particular, or the educational world, that's kind of the implication is like, you're going to either be on stage at Carnegie hall or, you know, Lincoln center or something. It's like, okay. But then there, you realize that there's like so many other ways to, to, you know, make a living yeah, as a musician yeah. or and you have be a be professional creative, musician. I mean, right. Yeah. So that was rent with jazz gigs easily. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, and you can, but I started to realize that that was a choice. That wasn't the only route and it, you know, sure. so I explored this whole other thing, but, but then I start, I was like, okay, I guess I'm trying to be like a Josh Freese or something in Chicago, you know, but like, I don't know. So I wanted to move to LA and just see if like that's what I wanted to do, be a be a you know high level touring drummer or whatever. Sure. Um, and yeah, you know, did, did some good stuff. But LA's got a lot of a uh, lot of opportunity. I think it does. Yeah, there's maybe a lot going on. A little sure. bit less, a uh, little bit less competitive than New York, maybe because yeah, New York's just like yeah. so many people. <laughs> yeah, but that's definitely when I like kind of fell out with jazz. I was just like, yeah, this isn't necessarily relevant. To what I'm, I guess I'm going for, and money wise or just likelihood. And did you did you do like studio sessions there when, when you were in LA? Yeah, yeah. I think there, there's some like video of you. And when I was uh, when you were gonna do the jam session, I was just looking up to see if I could find some music that that you had done. And there was some like studio thing that that was sure. a video of you playing. I played in some really cool bands. I played with some really great people. Nice, definitely. I, I, any of those groups still uh, still going, or or anything yeah. that we can find that I can. Uh... Yeah. Well. Um, <laughs> So that's when I started touring with this guy, Jimmy Necco, who's a singer for a band that's called Ours. And they've been around for, you know, I was actually a huge fan of theirs. Um, and then 
Uh, yeah, and then when I was in LA, I started touring with him after he had released like a solo album. Cool. Is that is that stuff like uh, pop or like? It was like rock it's kind of like. Moody Rock. Moody Rock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Moody Rock. I mean, the guy's voice is insane, and he's, you know, well-known for his voice and stuff. Uh, kind of, you know, he's always been compared to, like, Bono and Jeff Buckley and stuff like that. So that was, like, yeah. Cool. And we did, that was some, you know, some big gigs. That was a nice taste of arena rock. You know, it was fun. Um, yeah, it must be... Uh, 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 Fun, yeah, like when they hook you up to the, the big PA at the base. Whoa. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, and that we we did some touring with the, the band AHA. Okay. Take On Me, you know? Uh, they were doing, like, their farewell tour. I think they ended up coming back. Go figure. Nice. But they were doing a farewell <laughs> at the time tour. And it was crazy. Yeah, it was great. So that was, you know, I got that touring-wise. And then, yeah, in L.A., I was, you know... That was when Craigslist was actually like kind of active and, and <laughs> you could find, you know, things on there, people that were actually doing stuff. I don't know what it's like now, but, uh, oh, but so yeah. you used that as a tool? To I like, did in L.A. I did. Yeah. yeah that's cool. So I ended up in a lot of studios out there. I don't think that I've was ever found anything good on Craigslist. Yeah. Actually, I have found some vintage kits that, that we hmm. bought. <laughs> that sometimes yeah. Yeah, it, it's an interesting place to go and find stuff that maybe like. Uh, for people who are a little less like internet savvy, they don't know about eBay or sure. or something like that. They'll they'll just pop it up on Craigslist. Sure. Sometimes you get out some real good deals on stuff. Yeah. Most of the time though, it's all just a bunch of junk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was also uh, ended up living with and um, my friend Trevor, who's from Chicago, Trevor Manier, and um, musician. Yes. What guitarist. Is, what does he play? Okay. Amazing guitarist, and he now plays with. Uh, uh, Dawes, who's a you know pretty pretty big band right now. Um, nice. He's still living in LA, and he also plays with. I'm sorry, he's got. Man, I'm forgetting this guy's name. <laughs> it's all right. It's one of the Wolfpack people, you know. It's part of the Wolf. Oh, just, oh yeah. Theo Katzman. No, really digs that. Yeah, <laughs> so he's he just toured with Theo Katzman, uh, cool. and yeah. That's that's crazy stuff. He's doing insane stuff. Yeah, that sounds worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. So that was fun. And then you'd appreciate this, but I I was doing I was playing with this guy Stall Vaughn, who is from Kentucky. He was the nicest guy I've ever played with. He was so cool and um, songwriter. And he started doing this like project idea, uh, and was calling it like the Living Record or something. And he was doing it at a drum shop in nice. Ventura, <laughs> you know, just uh, just off the 101 in North Hollywood area. Um, on Ventura Boulevard. Um, so, and it was a, I forget, modern drum, it was called like Modern Drum Shop, but it was all vintage. And it was owned yeah, by a Russian yeah, I know guy. About that place. Do sure. you? Okay. Oh, yeah. This Russian guy, yeah, owned it. And, you know, it was, I don't know, kind of like this. But we would, we would set up shop uh, after it closed, like every week for several months, you know, and, and Stahl was basically trying to get, you know, just the right takes. Uh, and then put together a record out of those get-togethers, you know? Cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. And he brought out a lot of guests. Um, and so that was that was fun to, uh, you know, play with a bunch of different people. Uh, Dwayne Betts, Dickie Betts' son, you know, he's a great guitarist who's now doing a, doing a great band, uh, Almond Betts Band. It's like cool. with... <laughs> With the one of the Allman Brothers kids or whatever, so uh, they're they're doing some high level touring circuits and stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, definitely. So and and played with. Uh, Did you ever leave the country on any of these tours that you were doing? Yeah. Or was it? Yeah. Oh, cool, man. Where, where'd you end up going? Um, UK and around Europe. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So then that was with Aha mainly, and then some some Canada stuff. That's not you know. 
You guys necessarily uh, trash overseas. any hotel rooms? Uh, no, <laughs> no, weren't weren't too lively. Yeah, but that was <laughs> crazy. Bad. Well, so <laughs> and we were talking about being Welsh earlier or something. But like, I, yeah, sure. I got to play in Cardiff. Cool. Wales, yeah. So I've the, never been to England. I've been to France and Amsterdam, but I've never been to England. I'd love to. Yeah. They speak English there, which is kind of cool. They do. That yeah. helps. No, man. London is the craziest city in the world, I think. Yeah. It's just incredible. The, the pub culture seems really cool. Mm -hmm. that, that's one thing yeah. that we really don't have here. There, It's like uh, a big thing, like uh, a lock-in. Yeah. Know, like right. I, people here don't even know what that is. Right, right, right. No, <laughs> and totally. I didn't know what it is, but I saw it on uh, Shaun of the Dead. They were talking about it. Great movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that is a I'm great movie. About. That's a funny movie. I know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw what was the other one he did after that. There's like three. There's like three. There, there's he, that one, and then there's one where uh, they, they go on a pub crawl, actually. Oh, yeah, it's right. Like the, I don't think I saw something. That. And, he, he's kind of a loser, and then but he wants to go back and get a, his old crew together, and he wants okay. to finally finish this pub crawl. And actually, after watching that, I've always wanted to go on a pub crawl. We should we should do. After it. hearing your description, I remember why I didn't see it. <laughs> sure, no, no, it's it's totally worth checking out, man. It's really funny. Yeah, okay. Well, I won't ruin it for you. Yeah, but yeah. The ending is very unexpected, and then there's another one where he plays a police officer. Yeah, right. I, Hot fuzz. Yeah, that yeah. One's I don't think I saw too. that either. I got like a Blu-ray with all three of them. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Came, uh, I think it was in the like five dollar box. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Best Buy. That's awesome. But yeah, man. So, um, so you were in LA for a while. When did you move back to Chicago? Uh, like 2013, 2012, oh, okay. 2013. Yeah. So you've been back for a while, like, and and did yeah. did you get into? Did you have like your own studio at all when you were out in LA, or, or were you just kind of so like stuff at that point? No, it was like the first two or so years were really trying to hit it hard, and then I found, and then I, dude, yeah. So that was realizing I was like touring. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm cut out to be <laughs> in a different bed every night and all that stuff and yeah, the money the money was yeah. you know I sounds mean, like fun but then until you actually do it <laughs> yeah and you just had to be a real um like hustler money wise because you can't i couldn't really budget so like and you know when you're a drummer you're at the mercy of whoever yeah. you're playing with Don't so it's like are, are you gonna tour are you gonna book another tour and maybe even if you're you know i was making okay money when i was on tour but it's like then you're not and sure. i was getting all held up with like Oh, but then this other guy hit me up, but I don't know if I should go try to play with him because I'm I'm playing with this other guy and he'll take that personally. I'm, you know, you like sure. don't know where to put your time and efforts because you know. And then it's like, uh, okay, now they got to book a tour for me to actually work. You know, it's a, and then yeah. and then when you're in town trying to stay busy enough and and bring something in. So I did. I picked up a teaching job up in the like way up in the valley the west san fernando valley okay. almost by calabasas it was just beautiful <laughs> so um up where joe rogan does his podcast it was actually like up the street <laughs> so yeah but and that was fun i taught there for like the last year and a half that we, we i was living in la and um yeah that was that was really fun just teaching and that's when i kind of realized and i was still doing studio work around and I remember I did have to tour for like two months in the yeah. middle of having the teaching job. And right. I almost, you know, I had to like, I had to like go back in the middle of the tour just to like convince the guy not to, you know, not to stop using me. Cause I had a sure. sub filling in for me while I was on tour and everyone started liking him so much after oh, two no. months. <laughs> so there was this break in the tour and I told the guy I was playing with, I was like, I have to go back to LA to, to like teach a few days to like, what kind of a school to was keep it? my students. Was it like a shop that had- It was like a music shop, but it was cool because they had one unit that was like 
four or five lesson rooms and then they did rentals. And then they, they had, um, the, the space next to them was vacant, but they were renting the space next to that. Right. And that was, but it was like nothing yet. So it was just the drum teaching room. Awesome. So it was nice, man. I had my own, it was like separate. And yeah, I had a lot of great fun students. What, what about the jazz scene in LA? Did you did you like hit up uh, any uh, any fun sessions or did you start anything? Yeah. yeah, no, I went to a couple jams that were cool. There was one at, uh, I forget, it might've been like the Ace Hotel, somewhere downtown LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's always stuff happening at like the Baked Potato. Yeah, yeah, which is like the the jazz fusion mecca. Um, I West, saw West Coast jazz, like a yeah Shelly Man. You know who that is? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah definitely. When I think of West Coast jazz, that's he's kind of the drummer that that. Even though I don't think he spent his whole career out there, but sure, I think the the Manhole that was his uh, his his club. I think that was in California okay. somewhere. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> maybe. But yeah, I know that's kind of the West Coast that started. I don't know. West Coast always has a smooth approach. Yeah. But but no, but there was some incredible stuff happening. Um, and on like the east side of LA, kind of the more hipster stuff, and you know, nice. a lot of really good jazz that you would just come across on a in, in a tiny bar, um, and they don't usually do it. It, it was kind of sure. random, or like Twitter was getting really popular at the time, oh, so Twitter. people started announcing things <laughs> yeah. like the day of. Do you think the world was better before Twitter? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Like Maybe not for much. that reason. But I, yeah. I use it for the shop, and it, it's like I was. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of cute sometimes, but oh my goodness! It's, sure, people get so obsessed with I it. I know it's, it's a mind. It's thing. like a, a miniature world in and of itself. You know, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just separate from reality. Yet yeah, it does influence reality. <laughs> yeah, but no, but like <laughs> there was so much happening in L.A. Sure. and so many of my favorite drummers, like Matt Chamberlain. Yeah. Uh, well, that was what was. Part of the frustrating things though is so like matt chamberlain did a residency for a month and he was bringing all these guests every every week to the this place called the mint um okay in like west la but i had i happened to be working like every n- night that he was doing it i i didn't get to catch any of those so i just look him up on youtube like the the day after and <laughs> realize what i had missed like two miles away it was kind of frustrating yeah there was always stuff going on you know, and but sometimes it'd be so like last minute, like I felt like I had to be so in the loop to go catch it. Yeah. Crazy stuff though, you know? I mean, like like New York. That's why I felt like those two cities are just like, it's like, it's all happening, you know? If and I, competition wise to move, wise I'd, too. I'd want to go to New York, yeah. That just, yeah, man. I mean, it's such it, a it, crazy alive place. It's so funny how like, yeah, the scene in each city is so different. Chicago's got its own, Chicago's got a lot of really interesting like avant-garde stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. And that's kind of how I think of yep. what's going on in Chicago now. And then like back uh, with like Ken Vandermark and yeah. I don't know, a long history, you know. Definitely. Was Sun Ra from Chicago? I think so. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Hamid Drake, you know that drummer? Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, man. He's like one of the unsung, you yeah. know, like <laughs> I, I never caught him live because I feel like I never hear about the gigs until after now. Right, right. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's Just a, look it up on YouTube, and you're like, "What? That happened?" <laughs> there, yeah, there, there's some really, really interesting styles that come out of uh, come out of Chicago. Yeah, uh, Vincent Davis. He's a he's a really, mm. really energetic drummer. Okay, he's he, he used to come to the shop, and uh, I used to go see him sometimes. Really, really cool guy. Okay, Vincent Davis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's all kinds of stuff, and then yeah, New yeah. York's got a little more of that kind of traditional uh, bebop type, type thing going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I yes, I <laughs> I think New York just has everything, you know. I, when I yeah, went there last, crazy. it was it was Christmas it. like 2 years ago and I saw some of the best music uh, I've ever seen. It was actually like like uh, no drummer, just piano, 
bass and drums. Hmm. I was I was trying to go to a session and the place was completely full. Um, they wouldn't even let me in on Christmas night. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, yeah, seriously? Totally. I thought it was going to be, you know, empty. And right. It was like everyone was there. Yeah. And uh, so I had to go. They had like a sister club. And so I went there. And oh, my goodness. It was so good. That's cool. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Now, nowadays, though, the, the club scene has been pretty. Um, yeah, I know. In a, in a small club. Everyone breathing on each other. Although here, the jazz showcase is opening. And my parents went to go see uh, a show recently, so okay. yeah, that's uh, yeah, they can pull that off. The sit down thing. It's a big place too. Yeah, I think I might be playing a, like a yeah, yeah outdoor well, beer garden. Oh, that'd be fun. That's Batavia. that's the perfect right. kind of gig so. for this time yes. when everyone's everyone's scared. Yes, I know, man. Yeah, <laughs> and while while it's still summer, everyone, yeah, get outside while you can because yep. it's gonna get cold, and then we're all gonna be stuck in again yep. for another. You know, that's all right though. I'm I'm like I was telling you earlier. I'm kind of a vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, sure. never, I never go outside. It'll, yeah, it's a it's a season for sure. It's yeah, I know. We'll it, see. It's so beautiful though. Yeah, when I every day every day I come to work, I pop open the sunroof and just yeah just, mm -hmm. just absorb the sunlight. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so um, you were in uh, in L.A. for a while, and then you came back here. And was that because you? You um, you wanted to pursue more like teaching stuff like that? Kind of, yeah. I wanted my schedule. Well, I I didn't really care to be traveling as much or pl sure. playing the the hired gun game. Sure. Um. So I was like, you know what? And where I ended, you know, in LA, I ended up essentially teaching and doing studio work. Right. So right. I was just kind of like, okay, I like being in one spot and doing these things. I'm fine with that. Why don't I just go home and do that where I know people? Was that like really you know? expensive? I mean, yes, very yeah. expensive. So I, I knew it was never good. Yeah, still. and I'd never, you know, I mean, people there make more money. So I mean, yeah. but I could never like the the house, the prices for houses. Anytime I'd look them up, I was just like, I would never do that. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> no matter what, no matter how much money I had, I, I could never justify that kind of uh, housing price. <laughs> right. So I, I knew I would never buy anything there. So Falling yeah. apart, old, old, like one story house. Yeah. A million dollars. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I know, man. It's nuts. But I mean, it's, you know, rightfully so it's beautiful. I also, um, yeah, you know, I didn't, I don't know the, uh, the people there are, you know, there's, there's great people there. I have a lot of friends there, but it's, it's interesting socially because people are, a lot of implants, a lot of people sure. from everywhere else. So like, and like a common question I noticed at least was just, you know, as soon as you say, hey, what's your name or whatever, it's like, oh, where are you from? Yeah. You know, because most people would not say LA. Oh, Pittsburgh, I'm from wherever. Um, and it was a little bit lurky, like, you know, a lot of people where it'd be like, oh, what do you do? Right. And they're, you know, like, well, you know, a little bit of this and that. I'm I like, what? The, <laughs> like, the what does California that mean? California accent. Yeah, right. But like, you know, it's, Which, it's, it does exist. It's, yeah. It's funny because everyone like doesn't think they have an accent. I have an accent. I, oh, I, I, I think I have, have an accent. We have a man. bit of a it's, Midwestern kind of twang. Yeah, I think I have some harsh A's going on. Definitely. And you go to the East Coast, and that's right. actually where my family's from. Uh -huh. And it, when, when my dad, my dad doesn't have as much of the Midwestern accent. He's got a right. little bit, but he's got a little more of kind of a non-regional dialect because mm. he grew up in a place and then moved to. That, that's how you get that. Yeah, totally. And, and Yeah, but California, man. I, I When I was younger, I always wanted to uh, live there because I was big into skateboarding. And you can yeah. like skateboard all the time. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely. Oh, man, I gotta go to either San Francisco or, or LA. Yeah. Are you into either surfing, skateboarding, or snowboarding? No, no, no. That's the that that's the cool thing about <laughs> California. In the same day, you can do all yeah. three. <laughs> no, totally. I remember driving back from San Francisco once, where there's this thing. Uh, 
grapevine pass or something and it's like basically you know you're coming into the la area but it's mountains and it was snowing it was blizzard conditions and we're like you know trying to get around the truck and all this stuff and then within not even kidding you 25 minutes in down into the basin it was back to t-shirt and i was like that's crazy it was insane growing up in the midwest you don't see that stuff and i was captivated by the terrain the fact that any every day you see a mountain you know it's like popping on the highway like mountains you know (laughs) and la is very close to it i mean you can get you know you can go hike within 10 minutes and from where i was you know at least so yeah it's so it's awesome it's beautiful yeah and it's like you know kind of a fantasy land but also like the uh the fact that there's no not extremely definable seasons (laughs) right kind of i didn't have much of a cycle you know it was just kind of like it was hard it's kind of like right now with the virus where it's like what day is it that's a little bit for me i didn't have the regulation of these like three-month patterns of seasons and that was it was kind of weird yeah i I can imagine that i actually like the weather here it it really makes you appreciate the good days and there's so much variety yep but man yeah it's it goes straight from like really cold to like really hot yeah it's a a very uh, i used to keep my drums outside (laughs) what i used to keep my drums outside in cases yes but right outside the side door because huh. it rains so little in LA that you would, you would hear about it on the news for the days before <laughs> the rain's coming. What? Yeah. <laughs> no, really. So so yeah. That's awesome. Man. I know. It was yeah, crazy weather, amazing weather there. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do that Not. here. <laughs> it's it's either no, going to get No, that's or, insane. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. the the climate here. I try to keep the uh, shop humidified in the summer cuz you know it's good for the wood. The wood yeah. I was going to say I try to I try to do it, you know. And it's just yeah, I've, I've I pay attention to it. It gets so dry okay. in the winter here, and then mm-hmm. in the in the summer, it's so humid, yeah, crazy. But I, so, I love it. I love I love Chicago. Weather. Yeah. So what? <laughs> you just don't want a lot of moisture, essentially. Well, I mean, you want to. I want. I was going to ask as that. Cut in as possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind okay. Of, so basically, don't send it into extremes and stuff. Yeah, if possible. Yeah. Like if you put, I mean, the only thing that can happen, like if you put a drum set in like a garage or something. Um, I think I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure the reason that wraps sometimes will like split is because the wood is just bigger in the summer. Yeah, it sucks Spins. up all the humidity, yeah. right? And then the winter gets smaller. It, it does that sixty times, right? You know? Yeah. And after a while, that that crack every year will get it. And some finishes are more prone to that than others. Yeah. Like uh, the the um, well the the old satin, um, you know, like. Uh, uh, let's see. Do I? I don't think I have any in here right now. But the you know those kind of like three dimensional looking finishes. Yeah. They're um, the, those those are pretty prone to doing that. Mm. And then uh, like uh, the onyx finishes that Rogers yeah. used to do. Those are <laughs> they all. You have crack. this. Oh wait, what, uh, the purple Rogers out there. Oh, that's yeah, that's super the purple rare. marine marine pearl. Yeah, pearl yeah, or something. that's yeah. not even a cataloged finish. Yeah, I've never seen that. It's yeah, so beautiful, man. <laughs> and oh. for everyone listening, there's a video that my dad did that has uh, that. It was when it was in his office. It's like a dark purple, uh, and I, it may have been like an endorser kit, possibly. Okay, that's what Noah said. Yeah, an artist kit, most Who likely. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, we've got the cocktail huh. one, and we've got the 2013 16 with the snare drum. That's amazing. And. Uh, you know they're B and B lugs, so the lugs tend to crack, but they're they're in pretty good shape and yeah. uh, really really cool kit. Yeah. They've also got the tall boy hoops. Oh, which okay. Were designed for calfskin heads mm-hmm. because calfskins, uh, similarly to the you know they in the when it gets humid they get floppy, and then yeah. when it gets dry they get really tight. Okay. And so every every you know. 
uh, winter, they're going to get tight, but then every summer you're going to crank them up, and then mm. they keep getting longer and longer because they like stretch out. So oh, those yeah. tall hoops make it so that you can play with the same head for much longer. Right, okay. Wow. Sometimes old vintage drums, if they have a calf head, there's literally like no clearance, like the the head and the hoop, because the hoop is so far, you know, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say, I What's don't know. What's your favorite kind of hoop? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know the... I've actually never asked that question to a drummer before. It's, it's. I should ask that more. <laughs> yeah. I don't I'll write it down on my, yeah. my list of questions. No, I mean, I'm I'm always learning the details of, you know, drum craftsmanship. Sure. I mean, I know, yeah, the basics, but I'm not sure. I, mean, I know that I, I've flange. always liked... Okay, what? Triple flange is the most common. That's the one that has the... It kind of comes out and catches the stick, you know? Yeah, uh, okay. And there's the Slingerland stick saver, which goes inwards instead of outwards on the top. Okay. And then they're like, that's a, see the snare right there? Yeah. That's a Slingerland stick saver. Okay. I kind of dig that. And then the the, I, there's some good rim shots going on with yeah, these. Yeah. Peter guys. Erskine really likes those. Okay. And oh, then, and then this? For a while, I've played that's some a really, stick chopper. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. will, if you're playing a rock gig, you'll go through a lot of drumsticks with those. <laughs> I did like um like a seven song album with an that's, old 50s Gretsch like that for, or whatever. For jazz, that was that's so actually my good. favorite. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That was like hip hop though. It was, oh, it yeah. was all detuned and it was just like, it was sure. the <laughs> nicest wet thing ever. It was awesome. Yeah. Which could, was an interesting was application. Snare or was it no, snare? it wasn't metal, but yeah, it was wood. <laughs> yeah. You, you can, you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting effects from, I mean, there's so much variety in drums. Yeah. And, and, I know. and like, yeah, when you're recording, there's like, you know, like, like the, the right way to tune a drum. There's just, there's no, there's so many different ways, you know, yeah, I know. yeah for, for that totally. kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, you can, you can just do, you, I remember one thing you used to do, um, which was, uh, you probably got it from, uh, let's see, who, who's that piano player that was really, really popular um, at that, at when we were going to high school? Brad Meldo? Yeah, yeah. And his, one of his drummers, um, he would like turn the snare drum upside down and do kind of like breakbeat kind of stuff. Yeah, actually, I think I, I saw that I think first with uh, Joey Barron. Oh, okay, drums cool. for like John Zorn's Masada. I think that's the first time yeah. I saw that. Yeah, that was. And you, you got to hit it lightly because you're going to pop yeah. a hole in the head if, you, if you're if you not careful, but that's a really yeah. cool effect. I know. No and, one does that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I haven't seen that too much. But, and you could do cool things like, you know, uh, I don't know, rub or with the stick or whatever against all the yeah. snare wires to get it to do. Yeah, kind of totally. You remember uh, Brad Meldow's Guero thing. Wave, the tune Wave? Yeah, Wave. I think the drummer did that on that tune. Sure. I'm not sure, but maybe he didn't. He might have just tuned his snare really high. That but was kind of Wave weird. and Mother Nature's Son, right? Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's Brad Meldow's, yeah, Wave goes into Mother Nature's Son by the Beatles. Yeah, I think that, it was those two songs it, paired it's been on so Largo. So long since I've listened yeah. to that album. That's a I know me too. It was waves in a completely a different, uh, you know. Yeah, style and he plays of, vibes on it. Brad Meldow. Oh yeah, he plays vibraphones on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's the, a crazy, the, um, crazy version. Yeah, that that's a tough tune, man. Waves mm -hmm. really weird changes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the we left off with you uh, chronologically. You were back here in uh, in Chicagoland mm -hmm. and yeah we should definitely get into to, to what you're doing nowadays yeah and yeah just you know whatever led up to it yeah give, yeah just give us some info um <laughs> moved back and uh yeah started you know teaching developed a roster of students uh was gigging enough and then uh started teaching out in Naperville um which you know I'm from Wheaton so it was nearby but I'd never really spent time there or anything growing up so started working in Naperville and um yeah saw a, a kind of a you know bustling 
community of musicians of sorts. You know, a lot of a lot of activity was happening amongst you yeah. know up and coming musicians there, and kind of all across the board. You know, a lot of uh, you know real into it hobbyists. Did, and stuff. did you teach it? Uh, was it like Naperville Music or School Rock? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't know that you you had you, you were there for a while. Yeah, cool, School man. Rock there. And was that, was that on like Ogden somewhere? Uh, that's on Washington. Okay, like. A little more by the train tracks yeah yeah yep. and um i had started teaching at a school rock in uh, when i was still in la for a couple days a week okay. and then had another teaching place yeah. and um i thought yeah dude I, that was fun i taught some like celebrity kids <clears throat> was it it was it mostly like real young students uh... yeah i mean well 16 being probably the oldest, you yeah. know, you can really make a difference eight through 16 kind of. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But I also had students both in LA and back here. I've always had, you know, students who are adults, you know, sure. 50 year olds, 60 year olds. Did you ever have uh, any kids that were um, really, uh, really difficult, like ADD? Yeah. <laughs> I had yeah. This one kid. I did, uh, I did some teaching at a school uh, um, for a while and I had a lot of really young students, like most of them were great. Yeah. There was this one kid, he was he was a really sweet kid, you know, but he was just so intense. Yeah. He used to hit me with the drumsticks. <laughs> I'd like, I'd put my hand on the, on the drum, cause I'd, I'd be trying to teach him like, okay, th this is, I just start with like right, left, right, left. Yeah. Cause he'd just go like, and he'd actually, the one thing that I found teaching really young kids, a lot of the times the really talented ones who get it right away, they don't even like appreciate it. Mm -hmm. They just like play it real quick, and then they're like, whatever, and then right. they just move on. And and, and they're really fast. I know, at man. That's you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And it's the ones that really need to work at it. That once they get it, they're like, it's like it's like really simple coordination. They just won't be able to get it. But once yeah. they get it, it really means something to them. It means something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and it is hard to you know have a talented uh, up and comer that can get things quickly, but doesn't necessarily master them. They're not yeah. played with mastery. They're just, you know, executed pretty much correctly, sure. you know, and there's a huge difference, but it's really hard to convey that and like yeah. a reason why. And that, you know, performance uh, things help, you know, and like, so at the studio I have now in Naperville. Do you do some teaching there now, right? Yeah, I, st I still do some teaching. Um, I think when I went even there, after you, you might have been in a lesson when I pop up. So I was doing a lot of teaching. And then before before coronavirus, yeah, and, and sure. all the time. And then also had another fantastically talented Chicago drummer, uh, Earl Talbot, who yeah, has Earl's been in great. Naperville. I'd yeah. love to get him in here and do a podcast. Oh, it'd be Let great. He's, he's I, such I a... I don't have his number, but I I'll, saw I'll him at the jam at, at your place. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think he might be back in town, but he kind of got uh, stuck down in Alabama with his parents when <sighs> COVID hit. Oh, and so he was down there for a minute, and I think he might be spending more and more time out on the West Coast. His, uh, I know his, his kid lives up in Seattle now. Okay. But, but so he was... He had a bunch of students too, so we had yeah, we had a bunch of those lessons going on and some other ones. And then since the virus, I've I've gotten back to a few students, you Are know, you reached anything? out to a few, but right. try, I anything, anything I just over yeah. like video. No, not me personally. That's the new. That's the I new know. Thing, man. I. I should just bite the bullet, but I've I've been talking to friends who are doing it, and yeah. they say what I expect, sure. and I just don't think I'd be into it. I don't it's know. It's like doing a podcast that way. A lot of people sure. that I've talked to who 
who are worried. They don't want to come in. So why don't we just do it on video? It's just not the same. Well, what is the like? <laughs> why don't even on CNN or you know mainstream news, there's a delay. Yeah. Why yeah. is that still the case? Because why don't they just hop on like a phone connection where right. it's, there's no delay? Like I, I think that's so weird. Yeah. It's, but anyway, it, it's <laughs> the technology. Yeah. The, yeah. But like, you think they'd have a little bit of a better yeah, for, yeah. for the professional or stuff. FaceTime. FaceTime is pretty good. Now, does it have to do with the censorship delay that they have? No, I don't know. Who knows, man? Yeah. But no, <laughs> but I, have, I mean, you know, really like sometimes awful, I yeah. see a news clip and I'm like, geez, they're still lagging. Like that's still a thing. Yeah. But uh, so I don't think, yeah. And that's what, that's what I've heard. You know, I've talked to teachers, people who are doing remote stuff that are like, yeah, you know, you just kind of, you can't play along with them. It's kind of your time and then my time to talk. Right. And, you know, and that's, that's fine. I would almost rather do it in like a back and forth of like audio memo, voice memos or something sure. like, you know, like here's me explaining something for two minutes. Why don't you send me back like you trying it or right. ask a question and then I'll hit you back. Yeah, my so, yeah. my wife, she she's at the Chicago Youth Symphony Orchestra and they're oh, really cool. trying to figure out the safest and the healthiest yeah. way to do everything. And yeah. one of my suggestions was like, why don't you have for the conductors like a proxy conductor? Yeah. Because um, a lot of the times people are really worried more about the teachers. You know what I mean? Because yes, the teachers right. are... They're, they, right, let's right. Let's say a teacher has like a health condition or something. Oh, sure. Well, and they're... Yeah. they're they're in control of themselves, but you have diff like multiple people walking through. You're not as in control of where they've yeah. been and all that. It's yeah, but it's a whole had, thing. Like well, big screen. You have the, the main conductor and then like a proxy guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. That was my suggestion, but we'll yeah. see. I, I hope they figure out something that that, that works well and, and yeah. for for public schools too. You know. Well, and for us, like <laughs> we basically at the studio, there's two small rooms that we just yeah those we haven't reoccupied so like yeah. there hasn't been other teachers coming back yet are people still coming in and using your space for their like rehearsals yeah and stuff? rehearsing and recording we're able to do safely in, in big enough rooms and yeah. and everything so that's that's awesome but in the meantime yeah it is kind of you know that's fine but so i'm doing lessons in a bigger room so i've kept trying to keep it to one day so that you know other stuff can happen so so yeah that's kind of the facility yeah. change of sorts where smaller rooms aren't as happening you know yeah you got a bunch of people in a small room and that's kind of a especially yeah oh man like horn players and, right. and vocalists right putting mm -hmm. all that air out if you happen to you know yeah so at the studio we've been saying for rehearsals and stuff bring your own mic and oh, sure. sometimes yeah. people will have a pop screen or something to, so it's yeah. not just constantly spraying all day so yeah you know but but i mean also the i've been kind of it's kind of assumed that like if you're going to show up with your band, you guys probably are already hanging out together. You know, sure. like we're not we're not offering like a place to come exposed for the first time. Like if you're coming to rehearse with your band, you guys pr have probably been seeing each other. So, you know, there's yeah. there's a certain level of control that that you can do, and then at some point it's like, yeah, you know, hopefully you wash your hands and you're all responsible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so the the school. Um, why, why don't you go into the name, the location, uh, do a little. Uh, <laughs> Uh, or the the recording studio. Oh yeah, yeah. Sound Summit. Yep, I Sound saying, Summit. I keep saying school because sure. we, we were on the. Well, you uh, came by for the drum thing. festival. Yeah, yeah which cool. was we, basically a celebration of me and our old students. Yeah, right. totally, totally. We we, uh, we we provided some drums for you guys. Or oh yeah, dug the uh, the Rogers kit, which has uh, since sold. And oh uh, nice. And then I think we had what what else it was like a DW or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a DW uh, where we did a showcase downstairs, and all the students played you know with play along tracks. Yeah. And then, yeah, you gave like two sets for the clinic upstairs. That was awesome. That was totally. a lot of fun. Yeah. Totally good time. And, yeah. And so um, it's on Washington and. Uh, yeah, that's that's right in downtown, downtown Naperville. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, 
across the street from like Barnes and Noble or yeah. Pop Belly or wherever. Yeah, when you come into downtown, yeah, it's a, it's a cool little community. Downtown yeah. Naperville is great. You got the Riverwalk and a lot of good restaurants. You know, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, so, so the do you still have the little performance space downstairs? So that uh, basically we stopped doing shows, obviously, and right. then a couple months into the lockdown. Uh, got approached by a record shop that had been by the train station for like five, six years called Purple Dog Records. Oh, cool. Yeah, and their building had just gotten like sold out, so they had to find a new space. And they were like, that's hey, perfect, you're man. not doing shows, are you? Yeah. So yeah. They've, they've come in, and that's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Do they and have a lot of vinyl? They do. It's, nice. a, it's all vinyl. It. They got some CDs and, and tapes, but it's all vinyl, man. You got to come by. Do you remember CD Warehouse? <laughs> You remember that place? Not particularly CD Warehouse. You, you would go no. and trade your old Disc CDs? replay? Okay. Same, yeah, same, I okay. Think same Something idea. like that. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The, the young people, man, the, the, the like my kids, you know, your, your kid, like, they're just going to miss out on all this well, stuff. Well, like, okay, no, cassettes are coming. Well, vinyl's big, but cassettes are coming back, but do, too. Do you remember, like, the, the smell of a, of a new record shop? Because the, all the vintage yeah. stuff is cool, and there's some new yeah. stuff, but just the, the smell of like the cellophane. And the I remember the smell. Oh yeah, I remember the smell of CDs. I grew yeah. up going to Borders and looking through their racks. That's for exactly hours. what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. It's an experience. Yes. And and vinyl is even better. And cassettes. Right. You know, I, I'm actually I'm old enough that my first uh, couple of records were cassettes. I had yeah. the uh, Star Wars theme track, <laughs> sure. and then yeah. I had uh, Sublime on cassette, nice. uh, which that's, that's a good one. Yeah, and then I think there might have been like uh, one or two others, and uh, yeah. I had like a little little boombox only with cassette, and then I, yeah, I got totally. my first CD player. I was like, oh, sweet! Right, I remember when that and that, mixtapes. Yeah. I had a guy here once who was doing a recording session, really, really young guy. Okay. And he didn't know you could re-record over tape. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like permanent. I was like, no, man. Right. That's not how it works. Yeah. yeah. Is there a race head? <laughs> uh, well, my dad was always uh, like an audiovisual technical guy. Sure. And uh, so he, I, I had like the latest technology for burning CDs. And how would I do? It was on a CD. It was from the radio on the CD. Right. How did I do that? I don't know. But either way, I would. My, all my friends were like, "Oh, you could do that. Burn me this, burn me this CD of all these songs." Did you like maybe put it on cassette and then? Yeah, I think so. CD? Maybe, maybe. Because yeah. that was, yeah, for a while. I mean, I'm pretty certain it was on the CD and not tape. It was like in middle school, and yeah, and I would take them. You know, the hits from the radio, or maybe <laughs> no, I compiled them from the actual CDs. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess was like a multi-disc burner or something like that. I don't know. But my dad had whatever. All my friends would hit me up. Yeah, like, dude, can you give me whatever with Eminem song and this, you know, sure. whatever. Oh, man, I remember, yeah. Fun. Some of those Eminem records came out. Everyone was like dressing like him. Yeah. But I mean, I, I so I kind of like, I I like what's going on. Like, I know what you're saying about the way, you know, it used to be and stuff. I think there's some of that nostalgia, nostalgia that's appreciated to at least a surprising level from what I've seen. Yeah. Maybe not to where it's mainstream to know that kind of uh, you yeah. know, visceral experience. But I kinda like the 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 way that Spotify the whole Spotify generation of listening is rolling out. Yeah. I'm yeah, okay I mean, with it. Music's still there. And New music is being discovered at an incredible rate. You know, I mean it Sure. Yeah. Spotify just, hooks it up. In in many <laughs> ways I'm I'm very old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In many ways. Not not only that way. Yeah, no, it, totally. Just the yeah, the experience of and then the the booklet. I meant records, yeah. Like Well yeah, so you'd really appreciate and I, I noticed like I don't know how deeply listeners are absorbing material, 
maybe very, very deeply or as deeply as you used to. But when you spent fifteen ninety nine on a CD from Borders or something, like I listened to the shit out of that thing. You know, right. like I had to because it. In I convinced the, my mom to buy it for yeah. me, and I needed to absorb it. In the so, order, like, I knew records so right. heavily, you know, and deeply. It's it's in the order that the artist wanted you to listen. That too, to. yeah, you getting know, the entire real, experience. Yeah, that and that's that's, that's a, a little missed, right? I, I do wonder. I'm not sure how much album listening, as opposed to like you know shuffle singles or whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But well, albums aren't. I don't know. Albums are uh, harder and harder to come by. Bands do a lot of singles these days. Yeah, singles, so, singles and EPs. So many things have changed. Yeah, and and back in the old days, like bands used to be like, like the the four members, and now mm-hmm. now it seems with a lot of really popular music, it's just the side men. It's the the, the one artist is the only. There's one that. that. There's also a lot constant. of collectives and stuff like, yeah. um, what's the <laughs> crazy jazz group out of North Texas? Uh, I'm not sure. They were they got huge like a few years ago. I'll think of it. <laughs> There's so much good stuff out there. Hmm. You're not talking about. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not. No, sure. No, come on, man. The it's one gonna I'm hit me. Of, I don't think it's from Texas. They used though. to. They and they they made kind of the the live session video thing popular, and they had all these rotating members, and then they um, <laughs> and then they turned into whatever Ghost Note, the Ghost Note label. I'll think of the original band's name or whatever, but. Collectives are cool, yeah. I've played in a couple bands kind of like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's always fun. It's a little weird, though, because uh, a lot of the bands, like, uh, you've got all different kinds of members. People are always there, and then sometimes people are there, like, very rarely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you do any instrumental stuff these days? Any, like, uh, uh, do, you, do you, like, write your own music at all? No, not really. Focusing on recording and... I'm, uh, I'm recording, yeah. Like... like Half of the stuff I'm recording. The studio is, is awesome. It's a really cool space. Definitely. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's it's real welcoming, and uh, you got like a, a really nice control room, really um, a nice kind of like flat, like a sound treated area to, to, to listen. Yeah, very, sure. Very Thanks. Cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, then yeah, the, the the front room is cool too. It's got like a kind of uh, I don't know, cool vibe. Yeah, <laughs> that's is that where you're teaching the lessons now? Like that that big front room. Yeah, that and actually the studio. Yeah. So the, the yeah you got, you got like a control room and then the the studio room right so yeah you're, you're in there yep and and sometimes in the in the bigger live room or whatever yeah nice. totally yeah those are kind of the bigger bigger and so rooms. so what year did you start the place 2016 2016 yeah and you that that's how we got back in touch you called me at some point um, you might have even left a message on the shop phone yeah and you were yeah. you were like hey if you guys are ever looking to move maybe you yeah I know man are you still <laughs> <laughs> we. It would be cool to be in downtown Naperville, but it man, would we, be. we'd need too much space. Yeah, it'd be like yeah, I know. the rent would be astronomical. You know? Yeah. We're, I mean, could be. Yeah, we have we've got so much stuff here. Right. <laughs> Drums everywhere. Well, why don't you open a side shop? That's <laughs> that's meant for walk-in. I mean, tons of walk-in. We when we first moved the shop from downtown Chicago out here, that was a consideration. Right. But it it just it just can't pay for itself. Sure. The, the rent. I mean, you got to keep your fixed expenses down. Yeah. That's I mean, I used to be uh, in the food truck game, right? Yeah. And that is the best thing about food trucks. Your fixed expenses are just so tiny. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have like a restaurant and then you add a food truck to it. It doesn't add any expense other than maintenance of the vehicle. You know? Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We should make like a, a, a mobile recording studio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hold on, man. I'm just looking up the name of this band. <laughs> sure, this yeah. kill me. <laughs> 
I think I might know it's who like, you're talking about, but yeah. I, I can't remember either. That's fine. And if it is the group I'm thinking of, I also didn't know that they were from Texas. Yeah, or like they originally started out of like the North Texas. Yeah, man. Whatever. <laughs> Continue. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's um, d- dead air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all right though. But but yeah, um, and so about around 2016, and then um, it's great, man. It, it yeah, it's it's a really cool place. It is. And yeah. No, it's there's there's a whole you know local community that it's able to service and stuff. You know, which is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. Naperville. We. I, I missed the shop being in Naperville. There, there, there were some. Actually, that's how I know Noah. Noah is from Naperville. Right. Noah is a total Naperville-ian, and he's <laughs> yeah. one of the better drummers out of Naperville, man. He's Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Did Did you know Noah before um, you met him here? No, but like we've we've known similar people for sure. long enough, you know, <laughs> dating back or whatever. That you know, I'm surprised I hadn't yeah. run into him. I probably had, and you know, we ran into each other at some point, but didn't recall. But yeah, no, I didn't yeah. know him until you know start coming here. He's, hanging he's out a great with player. He's got a nice touch. Yeah, I know. He's a groover. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very. Um, yeah, but I think I think one of the most important things being a drummer and and like finding success is is kind of having like a degree of like humility. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like so important because sure. a lot of the times, yeah, like, people are going to be constantly asking you to do things that maybe you don't quite agree with, but it's like it's for them. You know, you're there to to really make them sound as good as they possibly can. Absolutely. And everyone knows like the drum sound they're going for. You know what I mean? Like you'll have guitar players tell drummers how to tune their drums. Yeah. When was the last time a drummer told a guitar player how to do his tone? Yeah. yeah. You shouldn't do that pedal. Well, I mean, mean, it's interesting since, (laughs) since starting to record so much more, I look at drums in a different way, you know, Um, like it is interesting how, if you think of it like sonically speaking or whatever, the drums <laughs> constitute so many different sounds and tracks. Yeah, yeah. You know, amongst it's like when you mic up a drum set, you know, 10, 12, 14 mics or something sometimes. And <laughs> that's, that's funny, man. Yeah, I love this is cool. You're the first guy in here that I can really get into studio stuff with. Ah, sure. Because um, I've, yeah, I've never really, I mean, I've interviewed people and talked to people who, who do studio stuff, but not someone who like owns their own, you know, place. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. But yeah, <laughs> but it's a lot of different Or I mean, even if you go with like a Glenn Johns, a broken, you know, like Sibble, yeah. I recorded something the other day that was only five drum mics. <laughs> I, I was watching this. Uh, this video kind of when we first started the studio here I did mm-hmm. a lot of research trying to figure out what I was going for and how we how we mic the drums and everything and I was watching these videos you, you were saying like 14 mics yeah this this girl she was she was from California she had like a really really hardcore uh, west coast accent okay and she, I think she had like 25 mics on the drums and yeah. it was insane the most I've ever done or I wasn't engineering but I did a session one time where I think it was like 17 or something yeah and I was like okay that's yeah that's a lot of channels yeah but I mean sometimes you know they don't all end up getting used you just want right. to see what you end up with uh, yeah, the, the certain drums feels and stuff occupy the lowest and the highest frequency. sure that's a great way of looking at it too right Symbols and the, the bass yeah. drum yeah, but I mean it is, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to look at it from that perspective, where I kind of get the amount of pressure that the drums are under to be the right thing all the time. Um, sure. And also, we do, you know, we do a lot of pre-production at the studio with uh, my buddy Adam Cryer, who's been there since the beginning. You know, he he was, you know, half the reason that a place like that I you know decided to go with opening and everything. Sure. Um, because he works with so many bands and and solo artists. 
looking you know ahead towards recording before you ever get into pro tools or whatever he's helping to arrange and dissect and songwriting and all that so and but a lot of these pre-pro sessions would be so heavily about the drummer you know like hey what what fill are you doing there what feel are you doing there what you know and it's like sure. why don't you ask the guitarist what he's doing or something but it's like hey i mean the drums got to sound great first yeah. and foremost if the drums don't sound the way you want them to sound for uh, you know, a recording or whatever, then it's really hard to make the rest of it happen. Right, right. So the, a lot yeah. of the times, that's your first step when you're multi-tracking. Yeah, I mean, either bass yeah. or drums, but yeah, yeah, typically. Yeah, yeah the uh, yeah, man. Back to tuning drums. Yeah, there's so many different philosophies. When, when I exited uh, uh, school, mm. I became like a total purist. I was into a lot of like avant-garde jazz at this point, mm -hmm. like free jazz stuff. Yeah, and I was like. Man, you gotta like tune the drums open, you know. <laughs> like yeah, no, you'd probably guy. hate the way I tune most of the time. Do you, I, do I you like ever dead tune? Sounds. I wanted to ask you, yeah, yeah. Do, do you ever tune uh, open bass drum when you're doing jazz stuff, or are you always kind of going with the? Like, yeah, what do you do, no, like, I'll open drum? it. I'll open it up if yeah, yeah. For you know, I I just have a ton of like orphan drums. That's my you know. <laughs> so when I grab a bass drum for a jazzier gig or something, yeah, I have I have an option that's not too you know, thuddy or, you know, stuffed with something, but it depends. Yeah. That's I, one of the things that I really like to do in our sound files here, because uh -huh. like almost every single shop out there, nobody tunes their drums open. And I try to do, I do three tunings. The first one is a high tuning with an open. When you say drum. open, you just mean no manipulation. Pretty much. Yeah. Sure, like like sure. open. And then me okay. personally, what I do, I'll have like a t-shirt, right? Yeah. And then if I'm playing a gig, if it's like jazz stuff, I'll have uh, mostly completely open. And you just, you, the thing is, you so, have to yeah. have a different technique when it's open because yeah. you can't bury the beater. Right. You have to uh, pop uh, it. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I wear shoes with leather soles. Whoa. You dance on the pedal. And yes. that's what they okay. used to do back yeah. in the old days. And yeah. you just kind of tap it. And it's, I mean, yeah. it, it, and it's like, it, it, a lot of people do that in New York. Uh, Eric Binder, he, he's a fantastic drummer. Okay. He's big into, oh my goodness. He, he worked here for a while and he would always do his videos. And he, okay. and he cranks us. It's sure. always Max Roach Dude. tuning. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. And particularly bass drums. I love Idris Muhammad, who drums on most Curtis Mayfield classic stuff. His bass drum was always tuned. It sounded like a floor tom. <laughs> sure. And then... But, not, does he use like an 18? Or? Yeah, he used an 18, yeah. I think, most of the time. And, uh, but yeah, it just, it had an awesome high pitched tone in, you know, funk soul music, which was really cool. Sure. Um, but then the a different, yeah, because bass players don't like that. Cause you'll sometimes sure. you'll hit a note competing that a they don't like yeah. in, in their range. And yeah. I, I've actually, well, when I got into you recording, get into that's it. when I really started to understand, oh, that's what, that's oh, what yeah. I kind of well, like. Well, as, <laughs> as often as I can, I try to tune drums to the keys of the songs. So, yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> that's. That you, it's you just more complimentary. Yeah, it, no, it's, it's not yeah. easy, but yeah, sometimes. So I try to get. I mean, it depends on what key the song's in, sure. but depending on the drum, you try to get it at least to a third or a fifth, depending on what what interval's closest, and you try to just make it at least part of the scale, sure, so that sure. you know, yeah, your toms and kick and snare <laughs> are. There's at least not competing frequencies that are like out of the scale. Right, right. Yeah. Like a, a minor ninth. Yeah, right. Like a snare. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, yeah. Or that's cool or something. But yeah. And with bass drums, I totally, you know, I handle it thing by thing. But I have a, I have a series of like, you know, makeshift muffling things. Yeah. And one's, you know, a, a huge blanket and one's a, a little piece of, you know, uh, sound foam or whatever that I push right up under the 
the beater, you right, know, different right. things that that'll muffle it in different ways depending on the session or the day. Yeah, or I think I think a good thing for drummers to take out of this would be like try a little bit of everything. Yeah. People for people who are like have never tried tuning them open before, yeah, try doing that. Oh, and totally. Then also record it and listen to the recording because sometimes like. Maybe it's bothering you when you're playing it, yeah. but actually in a recording it sounds great. I find yeah. this well, with snare drums, man. Like old, some old like snare drums, like maybe like Slingerland Radio Kings. They're made with all these weird little um, imperfections and mm -hmm. eccentric yeah. like little like the maybe the the re ring is coming off. Maybe the yep. The, yep. the bearing edge isn't quite perfect. And and they sound kind of dry and boxy when you play them, mm -hmm. uh, but and it's not like oh this doesn't sound like a DW or Craviato, you know. But when you put it in recording, yeah, it's like man that thing sounds amazing, and yeah. it's it's so dry you don't even have to muffle it at all. Yeah. Whereas like a super resonant modern drum, those are so resonant that then you have to do muffling, and that, that's that's one thing that I've sure. learned uh, sure. in recording so many. I mean. I've probably recorded more drum sets than like almost anyone yeah. alive. Hundreds and hundreds. Yeah. Well, um, and the hard thing to keep track of is all the factors because, okay, so I have a, the one I, the bass drum I use the most for just thinking drum by drum, which I do. The bass drum I use the most is a either 69, 70, or 71 Ludwig three ply. Yeah. But right before they started making the six ply. Is that a 22 or? It's 20? a 24. Oh, 24. Yeah, and it came from a set that I got in LA. Those always sound good, man. Yeah, it, it's it's great. You and know, I, you know I still have a 13 and an 18 floor. Is it a wrapped drum? Uh, no, it's like chipping brown. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Duco or something like that? Paint? I don't know. <laughs> du so some of okay. those ones, that, when they were I don't, making I don't those, think Duco, no. When they were making those drums uh, in the 60s, yeah. it was when the Beatles craze happened. Right. And Ringo was a Ludwig guy, so they were right. just pumping those things out. Right. And they used to wrap the wrap into so the wood seat. This one's a little different. This is like the bottom one. Okay, and I know what you're talking about. And and there's <laughs> also, okay, so there's, there. I don't understand all of this, but this is what I've gathered. And I also um, had a friend, Chris Faller, um, who played in the band, I, uh, the band Company of Thieves, he drummed for, and then later he played bass and I drummed for, and he had the exact same set, literally, I think, and the same, no, he had the, t the two toms were the same, the 13 and the 18, but they were both this weird brown, and they were from, he thought 69, and the guy that I bought mine from said 71. So, and they were not club dates, because I, I had a Ringo set too once, a 65, club date or whatever with the the finish i saw you have one out out front and it was it was after that so and it was like the the john bonham floor tom you know sure. the big and thin shelled yeah. kind of sound so so yeah so that's the kick drum i use that on a lot of stuff not jazz and then i have a gretsch broadcaster an 18 inch nice that uh, used to be joel spencer's an old original three ply or no it was from like the 90s era Oh, late okay. late yeah, 90s they, era, they, they which called, was nice yeah, though, yeah, man. Yeah. They, <laughs> dude, that is honestly one of the most so that'd be a interesting five. sounding. Yeah, right. They're they're thick and heavy drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's a little eighteener. And then I have like a couple twenties and twenty twos that are in different rooms in the studio. So do I, you have any sometimes. kit that matches? Yeah, yeah. I have, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's like a Gretsch Catalina. It's, there's it's a pork pie. Nice. That's a nice decent pork one. That's cool. Yeah, and it's very uh, very hip these days to have like. Uh, you know, one uh, sling on the tom, Ludwig floor tom. Uh, well, you know. when you're when you're focusing on recording, it doesn't matter what you know. Sure, I'm and, just and like, he hey, that cool. that tom sounds good. <laughs> that floor tom, you know, right. really, because it's not going to matter. Only the sound matters. So, 
And so yeah. do you do you have uh, clients come in and do, do you do you get really involved when it comes to the tuning of the drums? Uh, yeah, if time allows for it. Sure. <laughs> or depending on, I mean, yeah. So we do. You know, there, there's people that'll come in and they'll they'll try to knock out three songs in four hours or something, and it's <laughs> like, okay, we'll get it going as quick as we can. Yeah, then you but can't then get too the, picky. <laughs> yeah, the more in-depth projects, yeah. And so for me, it's like half of it is recording bands that already have drummers and, you know, just being an engineer. And sure. we have another engineer there too, uh, Rachel Frazier. She's awesome. And, uh, oh, she might know Noah, actually. And, um, cool. and I then... Thi- did I meet her at the the uh, get-together, the, the thing? Maybe. I, I don't think she was at that. I'm not sure. But she plays in an awesome band, Skyline Semblance, and she's a great <laughs> engineer, man. She's so, so good. Nice. So, um, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when it comes to miking, do you... I, and obviously, don't give away any, anything you don't want to, but... Yeah, uh, no, I don't care. Yeah, like, uh, what are no, some well, of your No, well, I was going to say, that, so, and then the, the other half of what I'm doing is, is laying down the actual drum tracks. Like, I'm drumming on stuff for solo artists. Oh, or sure, yeah, yeah. Those times, yeah, I get I make sure the drums sound as good as, you know, I want and them to sound you're good. You're definitely... Uh, so you're, I'll take time. I think <laughs> you're, you're a good guy to have... Uh, Lay down tracks. You know what you're doing. (laughs) Well, I, yeah. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Been doing it for a while, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, what are some of your thoughts on mic and drums? Do you, um, like, let's say... On a, on a more minimalistic uh, thing, what, what would you do if you if you were just do, doing very few mics for like a jazz setting? I'm curious. <laughs> Depends on the room and did you do stereo the other? Usually? Uh, Sometimes not actually often better. not often <laughs> not in in terms of an overhead. Right, right. I often use a mono overhead, and we have mono's like, got more power. It, like, yeah, it's pretty focused. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, and then some in the in the more elaborate mic setups, both you know. But um, but yes, uh, I'd say mono probably a little over half the time. Yeah, with no, this that, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. and and it, it works great even on you know pop stuff. I'll I'll probably limit. I won't use do a you, second crash. Do you ever do? Or like, I might just use one cymbal. Do you ever do really weird, unconventional panning kind of stuff? Um, so I don't mix very much. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's kind of my you had told me niche. I don't like I don't like. Th- that part of it and okay. you know and I'm not I'm not trained in mixing or anything like that I only know how to record because I've you know recorded a lot throughout and then it was like okay I kind of know what to do now sure and used to mess around on logic and stuff but yeah so so panning and stuff yeah it's, I don't I don't really it's really interesting if you listen to early I know what records. you mean yes I mean yeah well like like really early records they they um, they didn't have all the there's a lot of things that we have now, which is like this is the way you do it. Right. Like bass, for example, and bass drum. You really want that mono. You want that right. Both right. But back in the old days, that was not a rule. Sure. And like old Beatles tracks, that's some of the first stereo stuff. They yeah. Had actually, uh, Sergeant Pepper. I think you get mono or stereo. Okay. Um, if you if you have the stereo version and you play it, um, if you play it on only one speaker, you lose, right. You lose like uh, I've had the that because sometimes. like I'm a busted <laughs> stereo and stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's how I had my, yeah. my Volvo, the old blue right. Volvo that I've had. I learned how to drive in that right. car. One of the speakers is busted. I'm listening like. Where's the drums go? And yeah. they come back and then they go. Yeah. And then another really interesting thing, Rudy Von Gelder, because yeah. I'm really into jazz. I, I right. don't really right. do pop. I pretty much just do jazz and percussion recording here. Sure. Uh, you know, I record percussionists. I've done some folk kind of stuff like that, but yeah. it's a similar technique. But one thing that's really interesting is he, Rudy, like, and, and the way they did a lot of the early jazz records, they would have like the bass, like Mingus records. Mm-hmm. The bass is all to the left. 
All to the left? Yeah. Wow. And then you got like the saxophone on the right. Interesting. And the drums are kind of in both because they're in the yeah. same room. And so, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's bleed because it's all done in the same room. But it, it's that's that's like nowadays everybody's like, no, 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 you can't do that. But those sure. records sound fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, no, absolutely. Old records always had less low end than modern stuff. That's another yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Through the 70s and 80s, like, yeah, even up into the 80s. The the bass man. One of the one yeah, of the worst things it, I think is go. when when you, you get a jazz recording and the, it's it's recorded like a, like a house you know mm, house music. Yeah. You can't like it's just not right. I know. Yeah. I always I always kill kill the bass to the point right where the whoever I'm recording is like I want more of it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Put it yeah. down as, as far as yeah, possible. Yeah. Because old old record players and old microphones mm -hmm. they didn't even have the ability to capture that low stuff. Yeah. Like they they would use like maybe a Neumann on the bass drum. Yeah. That Neumann is not made like a Sure Beta Fifty Two or right, like right, right, right. It can pick up low stuff, but not not like yeah. Not Although the I've stuff. been yeah, there's there's been nice results from using those kinds of mics. Oh yeah, yeah, as totally. the only kicker. I mean, I even. I use yeah. I use yeah. My setup is a Sure Beta on the bass drum, and this is to try and get a real drum set sound so people can. Really, to try and put you in the room in front of the kit. That's right. what I'm trying to do. Right, right. You I want an it. honest depiction. Yeah. yeah, totally. As honest as possible. Because in the end of the day, you're not actually there. You're hearing a recording, but yeah. I want you to really hear. You know, but sure, beta on the bass drum, KSM 157, I think. Snarky Puppy on the above for the Snarky singers. Puppy is that band? Yeah, yeah. All right. I love those guys. Those guys are great. Yeah. I don't know why you, that just. Slipped. I, I kept thinking. Been, been well, like, like I kept thinking other go goofy names. I thought Woo Park, this band that was in Chicago for a minute. I just kept thinking. I was like, what's that kitschy sounding word? Oh, snarky. I did not know snarky they were from Park. Texas. I didn't know. Yeah, that. they're out of North. They were North from Texas like New York or something. University. Well, and that's. I know. I got to do better research, but I think that they then became somewhat of a wider, you know, conglomerate of musicians, and yeah, they, they yeah, would yeah. go and do tours and they would have local musicians I I, I, have, I think that were part of man, I've, a larger I've, collective I've always wanted to put together a project kind of like that yeah it's never it's never really worked out I've played in a couple groups that are similar but they're always a little more um, a little more out than that you know yeah, what I mean right they, they they definitely have like a sound and a direction some of their stuff is really awesome, man. Oh yeah, they, they have oh, like so when they play, so deep. you get like maybe two of the keyboard players, mm. like uh, almost like competing with each other, yeah, doing, like uh, yep. dueling, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, Definitely. it's like that that vibe, uh, the old school uh, jazz jam session vibe, where you you go up and you really show what you got. First yeah. tune, if you sit in, they play is like burning you know sure yeah no but they they really appealed to the mainstream and they yeah. a lot of that they did through videos and these live sessions that that's the uh, first time i noticed at least um you know like the idea of it's big setup with with an audience of like 20 people and everyone's got headphones you know yeah. and that's cool that's a really cool and that was like this visual but still it's meant to be a recorded experience and right. they kind of pioneered that and uh yeah but they're just like insane musicians you know they're they're great but then i think they spawned off into this there's a there's a group called ghost note okay, i think there's yeah. there's a there's a label around them now yeah i've, I've definitely scoped out their stuff i really like yeah. it I have but they probably yeah they they probably used quite traditional recording techniques i imagine as well like being a you know brass and kind of jazz group yeah i like i, mean, I like the, the honest yeah for, for most of that stuff that's, yeah that's exactly right that, it's all live i wonder if they do any multi-track i don't think they, they might do. maybe in the studio a little i don't know 
but yeah yeah but i mean i hear you about the the honest mic setups it's also like what you're doing it for like you're doing it for either demo demo videos or whatever yeah, yeah. but i like i've been uh going as far as mixing at least for these videos these live videos we've been doing and yeah i will actually do some panning kind of by where people are at in the room of the video just because I think, sure, sure. you know, the context that people will probably listen to on on a laptop or a phone or whatever they might be looking and maybe that gives it a little more dimension than yeah, yeah. whatever. That, that's just what well, I, was just I usually just stick to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've heard tricks, too, even in, in the pop realm and everything of like some engineers swear by like, uh, you know, kick and bass should always be, you know, centered. But to put the snare like two cents left or something, you know, mm -hmm. like something really subtle and it'll. You know, and I've, I've tried I've that. I usually pan toms just to, to go with right. whether you're supposed to feel behind the drum set or looking at I it. I pretty much never do close mics. The only time I like a close mic is if I'm doing brushwork. Sure. And I, then I really mm. like it. Yeah. I, you just use the SM57, put, pop that right above the snare, yeah. and, and then you can. But yeah, the I really like the, the, the other one thing too, yeah, when you get a million mics, you can really run into like phase issues. You can. And that can be really, uh, you know, uh, troublesome, but if you only you have one mic, you will not run it. Well, right, yes, <laughs> yes, but you know, yeah, it's cool. You know, you don't have to be afraid of that. There, there's, there's ways. Around. I mean, you can first of all solve the problem there and then, and not have phase issues. It can never you know? be perfect. It's always if you, if you do you ever like when you're looking at the the wave file, do you ever like go down to like very small? Yeah, and look at the peaks and troughs. Yeah, right, and if you, if they're opposite. Right. And if they're can, opposite, then that's phase. Then right. You just flip. Yeah. Flip yes. The, exactly. That's what I mean. So if you're, the, they're usually like, eh. Yeah. You know? And that's what's giving it a room sound, though. You yeah. know. I mean, that's what's making it sound big because and, when when you're looking at transients from like samples or whatever, like right. they're, they're right there and they're all on the click, and that's it. Sounds like in my studio, mechanic. What I did is whereas I had, you have a room sound and things are hitting at a slightly different times. Yeah. Totally. I had. Uh, I've got the two mics uh, that are the room mics, mm -hmm. and I, I I went as far as to like measure it with the measuring tape. Yeah, and I, I would I would do it, and I'd be like, okay, that one is, and I, I basically got it so they're like the you'll hear the bass drum mic will pick it up, yeah, and then this one will pick it up. Right, so you'll have one peak and trough, and then the, the second one will sure. line up exactly. Sure, I mean, I just try to try stick. To if I am doing sound. stereo overheads, <laughs> basically just equidistant from the snare between 39 and 42 inches away yeah, yeah. and i do measure if i'm and each yeah, room absolutely. is different because right it's right. all it's like crazy yeah well, and each symbol setup here. you know you, you you don't know what part of the symbol you're kind of trying to highlight or what yeah. what other drums might be around it that you're trying to avoid things like that that's what i noticed too about you know doing uh close miking or whatever but like so much of the miking techniques are about what you don't want to hear from each mic you know Sure. So, I mean, that's that's interesting. At least with close micing, if you're trying. Do you use to, a lot of gates when you when you? Uh, I've never used mic drums. No. You ever go for that? You know how to get that '80s tom sound? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Aided reverb. Yeah, I know. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. and that's fun. I I did I used that from a, I used that. a gated <laughs> reverb on a track, but um, but I've done, like to, like cutting. So like, uh, so sometimes you could go as far as using two two mics on each tom a top and a bottom right and sometimes you know if there's one that you're only getting a little from i would go between and and basically delete the sound in between only right. have the sound from the hits and have it fade in so basically like a a, a mechanic or a, not a manual gate I'll, operation i'll tell you, you know, the secret i cut actually, out the cut out the white noise i use gates on the bass drum mic 
Okay. Yeah. That's, there you go. And I, but I use a very soft gate. Right. Not a hard gate because. Right. It, You'll so literally like, lose the. It comes in slow and then it goes out even slower. Yeah. That's how I do it. And, and yeah. it's, no, it I'm a stickler it, about samples too. I don't use samples and, and none of the projects that we have other people mix or whatever. You know. Oh really? We try, yeah. We pretty much track everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those are all natural sounds. It's great. Yeah. That would be that would be the same with me. It's hey, everyone else is using samples. Why not make your own? <laughs> yeah. And and right. And I guess I don't know not doing too much of like the neo metal where it's like just so gritted you know <laughs> and it just yeah and so that, that's studio, all just samples pretty much so we don't you know don't do any of that so i don't know oh man yeah. at the studio what uh what like genre of music do you record most commonly i mean it's obviously not going to be jazz it what like what uh, i mean jazz is part of it definitely yeah oh, it's, it's kind of even a little bit of everything it's a little bit of everything yeah nice. so i mean uh i don't know i like uh, rock bands, punk bands, um, singer-songwriters that sure. we provide the, the instrumentation and production for. Um, you know, so yeah, pop, uh, you know, uh, like, yeah, alternative rock, indie rock. We should put a link to something that you've recorded. Sure. If, if it's cool, yeah. Sure. And that yeah. way that uh, we can, you know, yeah. <laughs> get the word out. Yeah, but I mean, there's even people doing like, you know, more electronic sounding stuff and Definitely, oh, sure, yeah. definitely get in depth with Pro Tools. Are you a fan of editing uh, and Apex all that. Twin? You like that? Oh yeah, that's, that's why I'm yeah. Stuff. <laughs> totally. I've had some people who are kind of doing stuff that are that's getting there, which is really cool. I've got a record. Um, don't know what it's called, but it's it's like it's all like prepared piano stuff. It's okay. so cool, like really percussive. Yeah, uh, just real out there stuff. I love it though, man. That's yeah, a, definitely. A creative he, dude. he had like yeah, he had a couple, you know, several awesome albums. And then recently, I went back and listened to this. He did like a collection called uh, Selected Ambient Works or something. I think I have that on vinyl yeah, too, dude. It, that, yeah. And I remember trying to listen to it back when I was into his <clears throat> other stuff, and I was just like, oh, it's a little more ambient, you know. But sure. now, now I really got it. I was like, this is amazing. Some of his best work. I really like relaxing ambient music. I. I've always liked that kind of stuff. It, yeah. It's like um, stuff that you know I can kind of work and uh, kind of calms me down. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really a, a cool genre. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, there, yeah, there's, and and you know, just in general, like electronic house music, I, I like that genre because it's so new compared to you know most other things. It's yeah. so new that the the rules are kind of still being written. Oh yeah, totally. And that's super cool because mm -hmm. there's so much dogma in, in, in so many different genres. It's like mm -hmm. this is this is the right way to do it. Right. <laughs> but yeah. whereas in that in that kind of music it's yeah, I mean there are there are rules, but there's yeah, I know. There's uh, people out there trying to do new things. Yeah. It seems very exhausting. You, you know what I do sometimes? <laughs> I'll I'll take those like um, house music and I'll I'll dissect the form. Oh yeah, right. And then I'll try and write something myself in that same form. Not not doesn't sound anything like what I right. do, but just. But you mean from form. a structure standpoint? Yeah, just I know. Playing all the structure. I was gonna say that's one of the things that I think is being taken away from EDM culture, or whatever. Yeah. Like house music, whatever it's turned into. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that that whether whether people know it or not, like even bands and stuff, stru song structure has changed, or maybe it's the ADD. You know, type of experience. Shit. But like, did you ever hear of a XXX Tentacion? No, no. He was like this SoundCloud rapper that you know he died recently or a couple years ago. But oh, he was true, really immensely popular on SoundCloud. And uh, I had drum students that were like, "Hey, because he used to do tracks with Travis Barker from Blake One Eight Two. Yeah, it was like rock rap type of 
you know, really interesting. But his songs were very short and structurally, from a song structure standpoint, I was just like, this is. I wonder if this Travis, is like super, you know, out of the box. I wonder if he's opinion. ever been to our New or lazy. I'm not sure. He, he, what does he play? What's his uh, endorser? Ah, uh, man, I don't know what it is now, but he used to play like Orange County percussion. Yeah. When yeah. when he was with, you know, well back in the Blink One Eight Two days. Do you think those? He's probably. It might be Gretsch or DW. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Do you think those kits from like the '90s uh, will become collectible? I mean, because here's the thing. They're, they're, it's what do you mean, the, that company in particular? Well, that or? would be one of them. Yeah. I think the the ones it has to be a company that is relevant in, in that it was big enough that people know what it is. Yeah. But then there's also there, there has to be. The, the I don't know if Orange County reached a point of revel. Well, no. I mean, I'm sure those kits might be worth something. But yeah, the, pork pork pie was real big custom. around then. That's the problem. Like, yeah. there's no rare finish because they're almost all like one of a kind. Right. Sure. That's a good point. And that's yeah. the, that's the thing. Like back in in the you know 60s and 70s, like uh, you know um, uh, Mardi Gras. You know that mm -hmm. that's like almost very few kits were made at Fiesta, even less. Yeah. And and uh, so once you get one of those, it's like you never see those. But if right. like every kit was a one-off, then they're I, I wonder. I, so I seriously it's really, wonder. but because Orange County is not in production anymore. Yeah, I guess they're not. I don't right. Think they're or if they're not, then then I imagine that those there might would be have some, some value to them. Yeah, but I know what you mean. S Where, SJC like, if is another. SJC is. I was, I was going to say they might have, uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, taken over what Orange County represented. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, seems kind of like it. SJC makes great drums. They're a have, have you worked newer. with the? Yeah. I forget his name. I have not done anything with SJC. They, the guy that runs it is really cool. He's. Yeah. I have some students who have talked to him plenty. And it's everything. just. It's not. I mean, at our shop, we we kind of do like a little more traditional, like American oh, yeah. brands, and they're very. Um, do you ever work with uh, Cardwell's? Pushing CNC. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Although Jacob, Cardwell, in Bill Chicago Cardwell. area, that um, dude, it's, I love uh, music exchange. They, yeah, that's right. They deal with that's them right. mostly. I, I actually, believe it or not, I sold a kit through them to Noah when I first met Noah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Noah seems like a CNC-er. cnc <laughs> is, that's more up our alley for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. But, and we used to, when we were in downtown Chicago, we sold a bunch of their snare drums. Uh, they do really cool stuff with ab abalone, and uh, yeah. that, that mm -hmm. was just fantastic. But, that's true. you know, it just, yeah, it, it just never... Um, just, there's a lot of drum manufacturers, it. yeah. To, there, are, there are too many. Yeah. yeah, there's not that many shops but there are like every if you go to the have you ever been to the Nam show? I mean, you were in California for yeah. a while. I've been two different times. Not not for. Did you enjoy it? Uh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's so intense. And then you get like people just start jamming. Yeah. And then you get like a crowd of like you know people. Yeah, man, check Dude, this guy. I like don't encourage I like, it. It's too loud in here already. <laughs> but I like stalkerishly approached so many uh, of my heroes when I was young that I just hey, I can't, yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't like doing that Can anymore. I have an <laughs> but so like Nam, I remember seeing like John Blackwell, rest in peace. But Prince's old drummer. Um, yeah, when I went to Nam, like right when we walked in, I was like John Blackwell. But like, Whoa. and then what am I gonna do? Just like kind of follow him, you know? I mean, it's so awkward, so I man. love I that there's all, everyone's everywhere, but I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. And and for me, I love all the old brands, and so it's kind of sad because you go and it's like okay, well yeah, looking at stuff now. I could, that's fun, now, though, which is cool. Yeah. But looking at stuff is fun. Now the Chicago Drum Show that was fun. I saw that's where I that ran is, into you. For me, that's yeah. a more fun show. Yeah, yeah. yeah you were you were um, 
Have you? I mean, you grew up around here. Did you ever do yeah. like a clinic when you were younger? Uh, not there. No, no, not that. There. Remember, uh, uh, remember Hannah Ford? She yeah. She started doing clinics there when she was really young. Yes, and so one of my students also hooked up with Hannah and was well was taking lessons with What's Hannah. What's her last name? Her, it's not Ford anymore. I can, I can never. Welton. Yeah, yeah. Welton. Right. <laughs> so her dad, Dave, uh, uh, took on uh, a student of mine that, and he started to. You know, get him all this experience and hooked him up with all these opportunities. And nice. one of them was doing a clinic at the Chicago Drum Show, like last year or two years ago or something. Cool. So yeah, <laughs> drummer Jake D. Represent. He's a she, very she talented actually, young man. She went to Roosevelt when I when I was there. Okay. I got to hang out with her a couple of times. She's really cool. Yes, totally. <laughs> and and totally. yeah, the uh... she's incredible, man. Yeah, it's a great drummer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. saw because I saw her. She did a clinic right after Jake, whatever, last year or two years ago. It's great, man. I, just I almost, as soon as she started playing, she was just so in the music. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's, that's yeah, I don't know. Did you catch uh, Paul Wirtico's clinic last time? No. I, I, I saw didn't. I saw some of it, yeah. Paul's that's great, cool. man. Paul's he's incredible. Real creative, yeah. yeah he's, he's really into, uh, these days, like, uh, kind of uh, more free and, and, like, utilizing yeah. the drums. and. Uh, oh, yeah. He's always, yeah, definitely <laughs> gotten, you know, t uh, outside the box type of stuff, which is... Yeah. <laughs> so inspiring like early on I still have all these like little tricks that I remember seeing him do in drum solos like yeah. <laughs> one of them's like just uh, you know playing on the snare drum or whatever and you manage to get your foot up and you oh, start yeah. to mute mute the drum sure. as you're you know, you know what my dad used awesome. to do man my dad had a floor tom uh -huh. and he tied a string to it okay well so Glenn Ka Kachi yeah. <laughs> from Wilco does, who, does he do that? Yeah, well, he does a thing where he has like he's a awesome. blow tube into one of his floor toms. Yeah, yeah. So he'll blow in it while he's rolling on it, timpani style. Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. He's incredible. I think I've seen. And those he, he, dude, today. he gave a clinic at that drum show too. Right. Like right. literally that same day. That was a banging day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it's so sad they canceled it this year. But yeah, they I had know. To. I mean, I, I know. Oh, like, definitely. That's too many people in one room. Uh huh. But man, yeah, that, that's just. It's such a such a such a fun goofy hangout with all, yeah. all these people that you totally. See I got a, a great deal on like an Acrylite. Oh, nice! There was somebody there that that's that Do was. Do you guys have a Supra light. at the studio? No, I don't think so. Gotta get a Superman. Give me one. I'll sell you one. Okay, <laughs> I'll give you a good price. That that is the snare drum. I mean, you yeah, can get no, away with I an Acrylite though. You have yeah, an yeah, yeah. Honestly, they sound. I have very two similar. two different Acrylites. One's yeah, like yeah. the student model. One's I think a little. If you ever have any extra condition. cash, though, yeah, the Supra, just a uh, you know, yeah, a, a aluminum Supra. You don't have to have a brass one. Actually, it's funny. So okay, there's su Supra, Supra, Supraphonic, Super yeah. Sensitive would be different. Super Sensitive, has, I, which I like those too. Those yeah, that, that's Ooh. one right up there. Okay, the Super Sensitive yeah. has like a special kind of strainer yeah. that pulls it uh, across in a different way. Okay, and Black Beauty. Black Beauty was that's the, well, yeah. And if you go back, it changes because the, the ones original, that they come out with now sound really good. Yeah, I think, the, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the really modern good. Black Beauties, a lot of them are. It, there's really not too much different between the mechanism because sure. it's going to be a brass shell, right, right. Um, but sometimes they're even many different kinds of metal. But yeah, with the black, I guess it's like some kind of lacquer on there. Mm. Um, but yeah. the original ones were like engraved. Okay. And they would be the really old snare drums. Like every part, this is like 20s, 30s, every part is brass. Uh, and a lot of them, even the tension rods are brass. Is that like this guy? That is like, that's an odd drum. Going I think on that there? is. There might be some copper. It's actually brass. Brass. It's just, it's just aged. Um, and that one, I can't remember. It's listed on the website. It's, it's either like a Leedy or. 
And that's that's essentially almost like a student model drum. They, they the Ludwig call them pioneers, and they're okay. actually really good sounding drums. But they're very um, ringy. I love them for jazz with like a calf head on them because it's like it's like really dry when you play on it. But then you do a rim shot and you get that really beautiful high brass resonance. Mm-hmm. But for for modern stuff, a lot of those drums that you do rim shots and it's just so such a high pitched ring yeah. that sometimes that bothers people. Yeah. I, I like them though, but sure. and that's why the Supras are great. Yeah. They have steel hoops and then they have an aluminum shell, so it's really easy to dial in. It's it's a less of a ringy okay. sound. Best snare. So many of the best snares <laughs> I've ever played have been Ludwig's. That one was a Craviato. Yeah, Ludwig. Don't, one was definitely a Craviato. When I was in LA, I had a friend who had one. <laughs> and, do you and, remember the the kind of wood? It was probably maple. They're almost all maple. That yeah, was Johnny's I favorite. think so. It wasn't that deep. It was like 60s. They were made okay. in California. Ah. Yeah, Johnny. Now they're oh, made uh, in... Oh, Oxford? No, that's DW. Ox, yeah, Oxnard. Oxnard. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, although DW did use the shells at one point. Okay. For their... Oh, yeah, okay. Timeless, I think it was timeless timber stuff. Really, really high quality wood. But there was... The, okay, Craviato, and then, yeah, Black Beauty nowadays. I played on a deep, super, super sensitive. That was really awesome. And then um, an an Coliseum Ludwig Coliseum snare. Mm. It was eight by fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And it, oh well, man, it was shell on there. Yeah, wood yeah. shell. And the guy I was playing for, the singer, he demanded I use it. It was his snare, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's rightfully so. And he, but he had like <laughs> lug locks that I don't know. It was just the tightest, mm. most dialed in snarey punchy yeah. thing it was it was great so Man, i've always i don't have one i have this like eight by 14 um i think it is brass actually ludwig yeah yeah, yeah. do you tune your snare sounds high good. usually or are you more um low? so i don't know probably 50 50 but even if yeah if i'm tuning them high sometimes i'll do high and dampened you know yeah. to a certain degree so that it's cracks but it's I not ringy bad. my dad definitely does it sure I, I don't i don't though. leave them yeah and and i do often tune them Low, so, you know, depending on. Do you know you uh, Charles Rumbeck? Yeah, uh, he's mm-hmm. a local guy. Yeah, he's um, awesome. Yeah, he he did a podcast a little while ago. Man, he tunes his snare. He's a very very soft touch player. Sure. And he tunes his snare very low. Same with oh. Noah. Noah tunes his snare very low. Sure. And then he he gets those really soft hits. Actually, sure. Yeah, man. One of the things that I've been practicing lately is like, you know, you learn all the coordination exercises and you learn all that kind of stuff. Lately, I've been really practicing like on how loud my comping is versus my ride cymbal. Sure. And really trying to, like, one thing, like, you don't want to be heavy-handed with jazz. Right. And uh, if you if you comp really, really quietly, so you almost can't even hear it, Yeah. it's so much better. And that's what Charles, yeah. Charles does. Yeah. And you do that, too, actually. You've that's got, cool. You've got a nice, I, I, I haven't seen you play a lot of straight-ahead jazz lately. Sure. But, um, Nor have I. But yeah, that's that's one thing. <laughs> not enough people think about that. Just, yeah, you know, no, it's, like, it's I true. Know you can do triplets against yeah, but what? This Absolutely. Kind of stuff, who cares? Well, dude, I'll tell you what. Volume. Yeah, <laughs> and back to like the studio <laughs> mindset or whatever. But that's like this whole idea of self mixing. Yeah. Because you have four limbs and you, you're playing all these different sounds. Right. But stylistically, yeah, that's what I struggled for uh, several years getting out of the like. I grew up a jazz drummer and learned <laughs> technique a certain way, and then I wanted to play like more simple rock and singer songwriter stuff. So you, you know, and I wanted I wanted to be gigs. a groove yeah. drummer. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> to be true. a groove drummer and sound like you know Steve Jordan or whatever. Make music that people enjoy. Sure, they're yeah. not like yeah. Sometimes jazz can be a little bit like yeah. You have to like this, right? Because it's but, you know. But I would I would music. toggle between those types of gigs, and I still sure. I still do. 
And um, but like one of the things that would get me back into the jazz mindset was exactly that, where I, I'd I'd think, you know, rock. You're you, you're thinking you're trying to have your left hand have you know a lot of motion and a lot of range of motion and everything to get a big backbeat. And right. so jazz, I'd try to like think on top of it with the right. And you do want you want to hear more ride. Like yeah. ride covering the snare, totally, whisperness. Man. That's something Dude, I yeah. never thought about in, yeah. in high school. And and sometimes you wonder, like, man, why don't these guys want to play with me? And maybe think about that. And and the yeah. guys that really like, you know, uh, people want to jam with, it, it, you know, it, it may have something to do with that. Like, no, you, you got all the coordination down. Right, it's those right. Little things that bring you from being like very proficient amateur. Yeah, man. To no, like pro. the ride <laughs> is like all you need. I don't know. I used to hear this tale of this great drummer jazz drummer leon parker he was kind of he was a new york guy you know you could say avon he played with bill frizzell a good amount i think hmm. but not that well known of a guy but he was known for i guess he like held a sunday uh afternoon like brunch gig with like a trio that he would only he would only have a ride symbol yeah and he would do two hours with this trio or whatever nice. every sunday would just ride and like that no, i was always on, like hell yeah like that's yeah, that's, yeah right that's, that's but like that's yeah. you know when you're in that jazz mindset that is your timekeeper that right is on, your man. you know your focus in terms of pulsing drummer and the rest is kind of just, just a ride like you wouldn't even he, have yeah a kit. yeah that's great man yeah, you don't yeah that was the hole. story I, I didn't i never saw him do it i forget what you know maybe some modern drummer article i read that in or something like that there, there's but, a lot of good stories like papa joe used to do uh, everyone would come and they'd be doing all you know buddy rich uh louis belson you, know, you got all these you yeah know, and then he'd come out just with like a hi-hat and just right, right. Know, blow everyone away with this yeah. huge smile and be yeah right no he was a Less crazy <laughs> uh influence you know i, I yeah He's one of my favorites, Joe Jones. Absolutely, yeah. Man. yeah. He's he's probably my all time. Uh, yeah, man. Honestly, favorite drummer. There's yeah, a, I know. He's and I wish he did more. Wasn't there? There's some trio record that he's on that I I need to look up again. But I remember he played with an organ player a lot. Um, okay, but like small group Milt stuff, you know, not Buckner. bassy stuff. What was it? Milt Buckner or something. Okay, like okay. I want to say he might have been. Yeah. But I don't know. I want to hear more records of him that aren't big band necessarily. Because there's just, a really cool so... video of him jamming with uh, Russell Malone. Okay. Or, wait, is it Russell Malone? No, it's not Russell Malone. That's he's he's okay. much later. That's on. like yeah. Good. It's oh, I can't, he did a lot of smooth jazz stuff. Hmm. I think really Russell famous, Malone did. Russell Malone did, but this, Ramsey this is Lewis. Is it no no? Okay. I can't. Oh, I can't remember his name, but there's, there's huh. a video with him playing in the 70s with a tap dancer, guitar, and oh, the drums. Okay, it's totally. So That's cool, what I'm talking man. about. Yeah. He's got, he's got a Ludwig kit with a pillow in the bass drum, no front <sighs> head. That's cool. And 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 it's yeah, man, it's just it's just amazing. That's it's awesome. Just, it's so perfect because because he yeah he he's like smiling and, and they traded he traded eights with the tap dancer. Oh, nice. It's that's so perfect. Cool, right. Well, that's what he sounded like. He sounded like tap dancing. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but he, which was like kind of that. 40s 50s style he was a tap dancer sure yeah. okay but um, <laughs> a lot of those guys but were. i think he did it particularly well oh, he, yeah. you know like he really yeah everything he played had such intention <laughs> and clarity like really amazing technique and stuff yeah. i wish i could go back in time and uh see uh see him play yeah absolutely he, he probably played at the jazz Dude, showcase so, oh yeah my mom so this is the, i always remember this but when i was getting into jazz so much in middle school we were doing a, a bassy song or whatever and i listened to the original recording and i found out who papa joe jones was and then i told my mom like on the ride home from school i was like oh there's this great drummer papa joe jones i'm getting into him and she's like he used to sleep on my couch really yeah because <laughs> my her dad was you know best friends with bassy so the band would stay like at their That's place crazy, a lot. yeah i know and i'm like <laughs> what 
that's weird. Jeez. Yeah, man. <laughs> but yeah, he's seriously one of my favorites. And he taught. He was a you know prolific teacher. My dad got to take some lessons from him. Wow. And uh, yeah. That's cool. Really, really interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah, I wish I could. I almost took a lesson with Joe Morello. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> one time when I went to New York before he died, you know, because he had like an ad in the in like Modern Drummer, he had like an ad for like, yeah, man, dude, the, the last several years of his life or whatever, he was like, just, you know, charging a decent coin for, and it was like tourists, drummers that would be in New York, be like, yeah, lesson with Joe Morello. Nice. Yeah, he had an ad in Modern Drummer, yeah. But I don't know. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Any, anything more you want to go into about the the studio? Uh, maybe uh, just uh, much. Oh, shout um, out for any any albums that are coming out. People can go check out. Like I said, I'll put a link sure. to something. But sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know yeah. Yeah. Comes to mind. We'll put now. a link up. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything that's been coming out. I don't know. There's a good band, uh, Stellar West, that's going to be releasing an album pretty soon. It's being mixed. Um, there's a band called Life Looks Good that just put out an EP not too long ago. You, you guys got a website, of course. Yeah, well, yes. The that. website's, you know, it's kind of basic information, but Instagram, <laughs> sound, underscore summit, uh, Facebook, backslash, sound Actually, summit studios. I want to bring my band to record at your place one of these Oh, days. dude, that'd be fun. Because I, I always record myself, and it's fun, but it's so stressful. Sure. Because especially when I'm using the tape machine, it's like there's so many things that could go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then you you get like a great take, and then it's like, oh, it didn't record. <laughs> sure. You know, it's like, yeah. And with the tape machines, it's literally if you press one wrong button, yeah, uh, that that can happen. And it's just yeah, it's so stressful. Whenever I do uh, that, I'm I'm sweating because I'm literally yeah, yeah. I'm I'm running around busting my butt setting up all the mics, and then to to have someone else to like help me would be just like. It would almost feel like I was like on vacation. You know? Oh, totally, like, totally. Who, I know. And do you want to say what you guys like charge per hour? On, yeah, on uh, it's sixty an hour for one, two, three, four hours. Fifty-five if it's a five or more hour session. And do you? So have I mean, you know, like, if it's like a big project and it's like yeah. multiple days, we'll you know we can figure out kind of like a further flat price break fee or something like that. Yeah, full day rates and stuff. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know. Cool, um, man. Yeah, definitely. So I mean, and the thing there is we're really about resourcing you know, at whatever level to make the project happen the way it should, whether that's spending more time on pre-production or how we go about recording. You know, the question is always like, what's the budget? How much time do we have? How right. good, how, how do we want it to sound though? You know, because you, it, in order for albums to sound a certain way, they, you know, sometimes they have to be multi-tracked. I mean, it's just like, yeah. you're not all gonna get that play it perfectly. Clean, professional sound. Yeah. Every time you do a record in one room, you're gonna have sympathetic vibration if the snares are on. Sure, that's just there. It's sure, there the whole time. Sure, right. And unless it turns snares off. <laughs> well, and I find so, but the, right now, recording live is, you know, thankfully that's kind of in style. And so sometimes, yeah. depending, you know, um, it it really helps to do maybe just a couple elements live. So I like to sure. I like to because you it's also about you know you're focusing on the tones of that instrument that you're recording and you're focusing on the performance of the person recording it so if you do everything live it's like okay we're trying to judge five people at once you know sure. so it's you know but if if you're doing it to a click then you, you can you can trade out takes you can comp you can edit punch in and everything. you do a lot with like uh, scratch tracks right that yes yes and i'm a big fan of that so a lot of times i like to just get drums and bass together yeah. live i yeah. feel like that gives you know, a, a nice live feeling foundation to then add stuff on top of. And yeah, right but on. but get the whole band, you know, get everybody uh, at least mic'd up to do scratch so that it feels like you're playing it. 
you know, not just, the, not just with the metronome or whatever. And, yeah, like if you're the drummer, you want to lay the drums down first. To, yeah, and you want to lay it down to something. Right. And, yeah, like some, that's, some that's drummers, part of it. They like know the form so well yep. that they can like do that. Yep. With me, uh, I mean, I'd have to have played a tune a lot to be able to do that. There sure. are some that I could. Right. Uh, you know, like you kind of sing it to yourself while you're going, but right. I feel like I'd. I'd like drop a bar or something, you know. <laughs> I know, and I've changed, or like I don't know. I'm I, I always go back and forth, but I used to I used to I call it like recording blind or whatever. But I used to love it. I used to like do sessions for people where they'd scratch track along with me, and then after three takes, I'd be like, okay, can you stop or whatever, like, and then I'd just love the click. But no, now I like recording. I think it's good to have something to sort of inspire the. Yeah, what, what it's going to feel like, you know? Do, do you um, do most of your stuff to clicks or do you? Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're multi, you kind of have to. I mean, mm -hmm. you can get away sometimes without doing it, but most of the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends, you know? I mean, yeah, there's there's definitely bands that, you know, it's it's not meant for them or they, they don't have to, you know, or you whatever. Ever, like, um, they just. With your own plan. They're not going for that. You ever, like, uh. <laughs> Do, do the the whole like click obsessive obsession to try and get your time perfect. I was listening to yeah. a podcast on uh, I think it was Modern Drummer, and these guys. I was just like, man, you guys, maybe you're focusing a little bit on the wrong thing. Because he's like, he's like, every morning I wake up and I I check the. These guys are trying to make it so they know in their head every beat per minute. You call sure. it out and they got it right ah, on. Yes, that's <laughs> See, totally. I, that's not me, man. Well, I've I've there's there's some. I think I can. Somewhat easily find like 180, 140, yeah. 120. You have good time because, there, but that's because most songs, you know, or a lot of songs fall in those ranges. So I can think right. of references. It, but yeah, is. I know I obsess if if it's supposed right. to sound like that. So I did a session the other night, and there was uh, we did multi-track it, but it was we recorded five things in one day or whatever, mm -hmm. and I just laid down like quick drums, and I think by the end of the day we were like. Like it started as like these might get replaced, these might just be scratch drums, but we'll record it well enough to see. And sure. then the you know the singer really ended up liking it, so we're just like, okay, we'll keep those drums. Nice. So yeah, and it sounds and that's fine for the project. And that was not it didn't need to be directly you know there's a little push and pull, and it's like it's like yeah. uh, you know it's a it's it's backbeat music, but it's with brushes. Having having good. But time then, is but such most of the time, thing. yeah. But most of the time, I like to be as. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and I, I edit extensively if, if needed. You know, you know, like one of the aspects of having good time that sometimes people don't get into, like uh, for, 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 well, I guess for all forms, although you don't do too many ballads outside of jazz. You really don't. There, there are some, but sure. it's, it's fairly uncommon. Yeah. More pop stuff. It, it's, it's, there's like a zone of time. Moody tracks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. But, but yeah, man, like doing a ballad, like really getting a ballad right. Mm -hmm. do, do you count to yourself in triplets or 16th notes? Well, it de you... depends on what the song is supposed to feel like. Right, right. Yeah. It, 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 it gets to the point almost of like being a dirge. But it's interesting because, yeah, like it, sometimes, uh, like what is good time? I guess good time means that like the, it fits to the music. But there's different things. Like if you're doing swing time. See, I think, I know, and th this would be sort of a, you know, a, an opinion an opinion based thing. I right. do think that good time is essentially metronomically perfect time. I think that us as humans are capable of it. I sure. certainly don't achieve it like without a you, click. You have whatever. really good time. I would say but, that about your playing. I, I don't really have. But I, I know I know I know what you mean though, and yeah. I I would take it back like ten percent. But I know what you mean where you're like, oh, it's about the feel, and sometimes the feel might not be metronomic. I tend to think it it can't like 
the metronomic feel is going to feel the best or something See, like to, to remain where yeah, you're yeah, supposed yeah. to remain. The, I, think I don't know. Transitions speed up sometimes all that, whatever. It, but yeah, it depends on the style. Like for, for me, um, but like, okay, these days, watermelon man, headhunters, that bugs me. And Harvey Mason sped up <laughs> really? so much. Yeah, it just bugs me. Just you didn't keep have to. Yeah, it speeds Dr up a lot, man. Drummers are obsessive about this, man. Yeah. We're, we're like timekeepers. That's what we do. Right. But, but I, I think that um, for jazz especially, like, um, I don't know, for me, right? If I, I can play to a click really well. I'm actually mm. really good at it. Yeah. But if I'm not playing to a click, it depends. If I'm doing like like uh, straight eighth notes, then I think being metronomic is really, really important. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. But if it's the more loose triplet-y kind of thing, and especially sure, if, sure. It's, yeah. if it's jazz that's f like fast and high energy, sure. I almost think there's a form of That's kind of different. I see what you're saying. Yeah. There, check this out, man. This is my theory, right? And it's, it's pushing the time, right? Mm -hmm. So you're not making it faster. It's right. almost like you're skipping. You're always catching up to it You're or skipping like an eighth or a sixteenth of a beat every four beats. You, hmm. you, you dig like so it's not actually in four it's in some weird odd time signature that is constant and if you listen to drummers like buddy rich for example there's so much energy uh, because he does that he and it's almost like rushing but it's not really rushing because it's not a train that's out of control it's just like always put like every, you know what i mean well it, yes to me that's that's what like good good but, uh, uh, yeah no that's so is. interesting that's so interesting and and yeah <laughs> i can't but i do think that he is his amount of time in between each beat is even it is relative to itself but i know what you're saying i would say that he is wherever the metronomic time is he is slightly ahead of it the whole time and that's why it feels that way and yeah. that's what i see as i get really deep into pro tools tracks there's a lot of times where it's you you literally see it compared to the grid it's like oh it's falling behind sure. it sounds fine but that's why it feels like that because it's literally behind right. a little bit yeah, man. consistently behind or consistently when, pushing and ahead yeah people are getting extreme with that kind of stuff now when i was at your place what do you call it? Everyone was doing, it was kind of like funky, like hip hop. <laughs> is it the Philly feel? Yeah, no, okay. It, it? It, I, it everyone basically, was playing that. Like, like everyone got up there. It's, it's, it's from, yeah, you can call it like, you know, uh, I don't know, it, laying back on the beat or glitch, glitch, glitch hip hop. Play. That I don't is know. one thing I straight up, I cannot do it. I have never studied. I've never sure. tried to do it. I kind of want to learn how to do it, but I just, I cannot do that. I feel like Chris Dave, Chris Daddy Dave, is like the only one who can do it in a way that is, you know, aesthetically pleasing your, to me. Your, your kids were good. It, it was a sure. No, I know, I know. Yeah, definitely, definitely. They were but that, that kind of comes from this one uh, hip hop producer, Jay Dilla, who was really okay. popular in L.A. in the '90s, and he died in like '96. But all these rappers have kept his feel alive. There's been so much homage to him, and he used to do these weird things where it would basically it's like a hiccup almost. Well, it's it, yeah, and you could argue that a lot of it came from uh, like Questlove talks about this in interviews. He's like yeah. a, a Dilla freak, but like <laughs> um, it came somewhat from when you would try to create a loop and it wouldn't be perfect, <laughs> and there would be a glitch. Yeah. And so, and but people started to like the way that that felt. Hey what man, if it was consistent. Let's, let's use that. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, totally. But then, then it then it went from the digital form into a, a, a acoustic mistake. way of of you know feeling it. And it's yeah. so weird. It's so weird to me because because yeah, I I mean I've just spent my whole life there's there's like my loose jazz feel, and then if I if I keep it real simple, I I do have like a straight eighth note 
feel which which can like I said then I'm really trying to be metronomic yeah I don't do a lot of that because I, I prefer to do loose you know what I do though. well here two things well that are related but I either picture percussionists shakers of this something like that subdivisions you know okay. instead of thinking of like one knee and a two or whatever just <laughs> you know if you're playing are you, are you saying to get the the hiccup kind of thing to no to try to be to try to remain oh, to in get the real beat. yeah to, to have real metronomic time oh yeah um and also to get good at playing shakers <laughs> sure. seriously like you know and I've had students work on it and stuff but if you get this this yeah, like yeah, yeah. egg shaking thing like you put that on a ride symbol you're yeah, literally yeah. that's you're feeling all the in-betweens you're you start to become aware of the yeah. backstroke a little bit where to go you know? talks a and lot like, about that really he, a lot yeah. of his flat ride techniques were kind of ah yeah man it's like yeah. i always call that like the ecm feel yeah straight that's, and up tempo and that's actually one of the styles i i really enjoy playing yeah fusion yeah. ecm like, i know i haven't jammed like that in a minute on that ecm type of feel yeah i used to be obsessed with that stuff we, we do that all the time man my saxophone player in my band he always writes uh these really really deep harmonic tunes which have that kind of like it's yeah. almost like an ethereal feel you almost you're not really keeping the time you're almost like playing over the time yeah you're not yeah. laying it down it's, you're trying to like float it <laughs> yeah know. right I, right but it was also a nice not heavy on the bass drum too i, I just i kind of pop the bass drum sure in and i the way i do it i don't do a repetitive bass drum hit so that's what keeps yeah the drum not not grounded right right kind of it's over. more of a uh improvisational and the bass, Element, yeah. the bass in that form of music becomes the foundation, not your. So that's bass interesting drum. because it's straightened out. It's straight. It's not swung. Right. But but the uh, the characters of the sounds remain the jazzy way where right. it's all ride symbol driven. Yeah. And yeah, like you're saying, other things are able to be free. <laughs> it's fusion, man. Yeah. Seriously, but now, so 70s, but but man. but jazz now or like the music. <laughs> modern modern jazz is really influenced by hip hop, and, and I would say it's shifted sure. to what I'd call like a backbeat music. So jazz like, is such a weird word, man. Like, what does it well, mean? Well, right. I think, I don't know. At this point, I think it means uh, heavily improvisation. I think it means heavily improvised, you know? Yeah. I think that that's, Descending to me, from that's... the American improvised style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, all, I mean, you could argue that the, the term jazzy has become just as, you know, relevant to, as in terms of describing sure. things. Well, really. Because, I mean, there's a lot of things where you'd say, like, well, that's not jazz. It's it was not... originally jazz. It used to have two <laughs> Yeah, right. It had the two correct? S's. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a relative term at this point, but I do think it's, to me, it still means mostly improvised or heavy, heavy improvised elements, you know? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. doesn't have to be swing, though. I never thought that, no matter what Wynton Marsalis said. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I think he's it could be... conservative. He's got a very... Yeah, no, he's fine. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, yeah, we, we could keep on going forever. You probably got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, I think pr pretty much all music that comes from kind of the American school has some sort of swing. Because e even like the best drummer does not have computer time. And that's, that's sure. the difference. And I, in my experience, when I listen to like Europeans, for example, it, in my, to my ear, a lot of European drummers, they tend to have more straight time. <laughs> and a lot of American drummers tend to have, I mean, it's almost like where you put the grace notes. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and, you know, most guys, they can kind of do, do both, but that, like, grace note spacing, it yeah. can't really be fit in to either a triplet or a dotted eighth, you know? It's in between. And that, to me, means that pretty much all, you know, humans playing drums 
have some kind of swing. And that's why you know the difference instantly if it's a human or a computer. You know it. I see what you're saying. At least, yeah. at least I do. I mean, I, 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 I could probably get nine out I of ten. I think it can know? be achieved, though, where you don't have any, where you really are, you know, <laughs> sure. executing the grid of straight. To the nanosecond? And, well, well, yeah. I mean, you're not... You're not playing anything that would fall on the right. swung part of the grid. You're playing what would fall on the actual straight, you know, part of the grid. I don't know, like people like Johnny Rab or Questlove. Yeah, I think they're just so, you know, that. But yeah, but I, I like I like a, a like a swaggery swing anyway. You know, I don't know if do that's you, what you mean. Do you like, like uh, the way that uh, Jojo, uh, Jojo Mayer? Yeah. Okay. So him too. You See, know, I think he's. What about do you like Steve Smith? Yes, love Steve, Steve Smith. Both of those guys, in my opinion, they can do both. They can do like sure. a real like kind of open American style. Like it's just it's yeah, in yeah. My opinion, but like okay, that, you know Steve Jordan, yeah, like John. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I would say with him, it's like even if he was playing what he thought was a straight beat, I would think it it felt a little swung. Right. He's right. he's got enough of that. I, yeah, but I, and like to what you're saying, I think there's a few drummers that I would say like, oh no, they they play really straight. But otherwise, you're right. There is always kind of a certain element like of swagger, like even if it's straight. Yeah, it's like there's a, a shuffle yeah, right, kind of right. thing. I mean, blues has it, jazz has it. You know, you get the Chicago blues, and then like like funk stuff has it. everything mm -hmm. up through the '70s, and then and then after that. Yeah, but what about okay? Technically, about, though, I mean, like you know, actual proof or like any of those. Funk songs, they don't, they don't have any back, swing, back in the day, technically, I guess. Computer beats didn't exist. And then yeah. you had like Kraftwerk and all those early like like bands, which is an awesome group, by the way. Everyone should check out Kraftwerk music. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, th and that's when the, there was like, and then people started to try and emulate that. But if you look before that, like everything has some kind of swing to it, in my opinion. And then and then okay. people, and, and actually, it's, it's funny because... They're they're too like we are. I'm the trying robots. to think of like what's the straightest <laughs> song I can I can think of you know. Sure. Before <laughs> Where computer really, beats, but you're right, yeah. Because yeah. that's the thing they they yeah. really don't. You're I right. Mean, well, I mean, and even like the pop music then, Motown, Earl Palmer, and like yeah. you know all those like backbeat grooves were definitely it's all swinging. Very they were swinging. Shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, you're right. It, it, yeah. It's and that's to me that's kind of like the American like drum and that's how the drums grew up. You know? So okay, but I, th uh, Pink Floyd, I feel like comfortably numb is like not swung. Yeah, it's <laughs> so know? minimalistic. Yeah, right. Then he, he's he, not he landing on anything that's eighth notes. He's just right. Straight eighth notes. Sure. So that feels very straight to me. Even the fills, stuff like that. It feels very straight. I would say though, those. But you're right, and that, but but you said it was American music that that's what's defining is a yeah. swing. See, so and then and also the Beatles, man, the Beatles, they have very yeah, Ringo swung no matter what. But I think. but I think he like, it was a little less though. It yes, was more straight because yeah. when you when you get it to the point well, where you're playing quarter notes and eighth something notes. Something in the way. I'm just trying to think of straight Beatles songs. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean I I feel like he had a swingy feel too. Just in my think opinion. about okay, compare like Ringo in a good way. To um, uh, the uh, uh, the drummer for um, uh, Hendrix, Mitch Mitchell. Yeah. Compare those, and I, Mitch Mitchell to me is more of that like American influence, whereas Ringo is a little more of that European yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mitch Mitchell is one of my favorites. I mean, that guy. Yeah, he's great. You, you know the yep. uh, 1979 uh, uh, a merman or something. The mm, I don't know. Me, me and Ben Haley used to always play it. Huh. Uh, he and he did it for his senior recital. You remember Ben? He kind of vaguely, vaguely. Long, long yeah. hair. Yeah. Um, he 
and the, Mitch Mitchell in the middle of it does this really awesome drum solo. And we were talking about panning before. Uh, they, they do the pan. They pan it. Yeah, that's right. cool. So it's like, whoa. Yeah. It's very trippy. Well, I feel like Mitch Mitchell is like, there, there was this whole swath of drummers that were rock and roll drummers, mm. that but they came out of like the big band yeah. style. So whether they had a, like a drum teacher or whatever, like they, you know, totally. they grew up playing kind of like the, the jazzy way and now they're playing rock. And I think Mitch Mitchell did it like the best, in my opinion. I love it. You know, because like Ginger Baker considered himself jazz trained. And he's British. Yeah. Yes, right, yeah. But like, you know, a lot of those drummers then, where they, there was a lot of snare rolling going on still in rock music. Right. You don't right. hear a lot of snare rolling anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was like Mitch Mitchell's signature to me is that like, yeah. that was rock and roll with like a lot of jazzy <laughs> snare rolling my, or something like that. My rock yeah. feel is a lot like his, I think. It's, sure. It's, it's loose and, I mean, I can play like, like really, really straight. It's just, I kind of, I just don't really practice it. I don't really enjoy it. And that's why that, you really need to practice that really straight stuff before yes. you start doing that hiccup stuff that we yes. were talking about earlier, yes, Philly stuff. exactly. And it has to be a choice. Yeah, totally. totally. I've heard that done really poorly, the the the, the laid back hip, you know, the, the, hiccup thing. Yeah. The Philly thing, yeah. yeah the, yep. Eric Binder used to do that stuff too. Okay. It, it's so interesting, man, yeah. Another, yeah, another thing about modern drummers that, that I find, and then getting, kind of approaching, emulating that computer thing, a lot of drummers, they almost sound like they've already been compressed when they play. Yeah. Everything is very dynamically um, kind of, you know, homogenous. Sure, and sure. Then, All in the same range. Some, sometimes yeah. that's good. Yeah. But it's funny, the old school, the, the jazz guys from back in the day, they were not like that. Sure. They'd be like real quiet and then BAM! You hit like a rim shot. And you, if you're ever uh, doing gain levels, my dad is an example of this. You know, whatever you think of my dad's playing. I mean, he's a he's a great he's player. A, yeah. He's so dynamic. Yeah. No one plays like that anymore. Sure. When I'm trying to get the levels for him, oh my goodness. Sure, man, sure. It's so difficult <laughs> yeah. because because he's playing, and then and then I got him. Okay, they're right, and then a rim shot comes, and it's yeah. like, whoa, it's, it's different. <laughs> well, yeah, totally. That's dynamic playing. It, it, right. That's, that's one of those things that uh, yeah, it's you know, I'm I'm trying to do it. Yeah, like when I when I do my little uh, videos, the demos, you know, I'm always yeah. trying to work on it. If I, if I do one and I kind of play everything at the same volume, I'm like, ah, that one wasn't very good. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'm always trying to play harder. That's what's hard for me. Hard, trying to play... Harder. Oh, like louder? Yeah. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. I, I don't... I think people play too loud. I, I think you're great, man. I think you should just keep on yeah. doing what you're doing. No, but I mean, I mean, you know... <laughs> Some like, people you hit can, the drums so Yeah, hard. and sometimes it sounds really good, though. You know, like, look at Paul McCartney's drummer now, Abe Laboreal Jr. I mean, Hard, that guy just destroys drums. Yeah. Or I love, there's a drummer that used to play in the band Under Oath. I was like 16, you know? Well, yeah, but you can do it with control. You can do it and make the drums speak. And, and it's a beautiful thing to have a backbeat that, that you know, that solid sure. and that, that present. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Get, some, get a good workout, too. Get, 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 get blisters on your fingers. Well, not if you're doing it right, you won't. That's the whole thing. Yeah. You know, if you if you have proper technique and you've... you've oh, man, if you're, you're doing, doing traditional right. grip, though, man... No, yeah, that's not... Get, that's will. why I switched from traditional grip. I couldn't get a big enough consistent... I don't use it for rock, yeah. If, 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 if I'll do it for some of the tunes, but yeah, seriously, if I, if I play like a two-hour show, yeah. at the end of the show, my finger hurts, so I switch over. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Charlie, we we can do another one at some point. Yeah, maybe, maybe oh, give totally. It a year. We, we can do another one. There's so much cool yeah. stuff to talk about. But we should probably let's wrap it. Yeah, yeah, wrap it, everyone. Yeah, uh, come come check out Charlie Dresser. You want to do a shout out again for for the studio? Sound Summit in Naperville, Illinois. <laughs> uh, Sound Summit Studios on Facebook. Sound Summit on Instagram. 
check yeah. check it out. Check it's it a really out. cool Recording, spot. Recording rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. Practice spaces. And totally. uh, we'll, we'll and put a record shop downstairs. Uh, Purple Dog Records. Yeah. <laughs> Downtown Naperville, great place to to grab a bite to eat as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, come check out Maxwell Drums. <laughs> Everybody uh, listening probably knows where we are, Glendale Heights. We got the New York shop and then Forks uh, down in Nashville as well. So yeah, just uh, yeah, everyone. Thanks for listening. And uh, that's all. Nice.